0: This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 36. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium but as an industry. I'm Colton.
1: And I'm Sid, and today we are talking about something big. Something that's been heavily on everyone's mind recently. A big topic that everyone has been meaning to talk about. Enemy strike! Oh wait, no, Colton already did that. He did a podcast <laughs> about it without me.
0: You're just not going to let that go, are you, Sid?
1: No, no. But... You know, it was actually a pretty good podcast. I enjoyed listening to it. But, you know, there was something missing... I noticed you guys didn't have a person who actually used Anime Strike on that podcast. Now, where <laughs> could have you find someone like that? Someone who uses Anime Strike and had pl- already been planning to do a podcast about it? Hmm, maybe someone like a good friend, Lomron Miyasha.
0: <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I will. I will put in a. I'll put in a word. to doctor. I'll I don't know. I'll use my black mask and make him make him have you on an episode of the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. Even even if it's an episode you have no business in, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll 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 put you on an episode for um, I don't know. What, what what's the thing you hate, Sid?
1: A thing I hate.
0: Yeah, what's the thing you hate?
1: You know, I don't hate that many things. I, I like to stay positive.
0: Oh come on, you know.
1: Oh, come okay, on. you know what, that's not
0: true. <laughs> yeah. You all
1: heard me scream about cross-account last time. Okay, yeah, time. there we
0: go. We'll have you on an episode about cross-account. <laughs>
1: oh, no! <laughs> but, no, cool. I, I, in all seriousness, I like to talk about things positively. I like to talk about things I really love. We both do. And yes. And there's one series we both really love, and we've loved for a long time. Yep. It's called One Piece. A little, little, little manga called One Piece. Maybe, maybe you've heard of it. I don't know.
0: Maybe it's been around for 20 years. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe it's not only the high, biggest, highest selling manga of all time. It's like still the most popular manga out there. Maybe. I don't know.
0: Possibly the thing that makes Jump all the money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. And One Piece has celebrated 20 years. And so now is a perfect time for us to talk about it. And we've got on a very exciting guest we've got Sam leach from the one piece podcast a great podcast that has been covering one piece for the last 10 years which is incredible
0: uh eight years eight
1: years I thought they've yeah. been doing it for 10
0: they've been recording since 2009 okay yeah so or they're almost there but uh I just wa- I just want to say yeah the one piece podcast guys they're great I always love listening to them every week actually the first podcast I ever listened to Uh, little known fact. Yeah, definitely the podcast that kind of springboarded me into listening to other podcasts, which is cool. So I'm glad that I finally get to maybe talk to one of them on a, on a podcast of a podcast of mine finally. Uh, yeah. So this is this is this is awesome. I, I can't wait to talk to Sam. Hopefully, shortly.
1: Mm-hmm. Sam's a really cool dude. He does anime recaps on the One Piece podcast, as well as does weekly anime reviews uh, for Anime News Network. So he's a huge fan of One Piece, and also a fellow Minnesotan, so <laughs> we're like uh, One Piece fan brothers over here, over over up here in the cold north, even though it's been extremely hot this summer, ungodly hot, but... Yeah, not-
0: it's it's been in the triple digits over here, too, in, in Missouri, <laughs> so...
1: Yeah, but we're gonna cool down by talking about some good old One Piece, and I'm really excited for that, but first we've got news to go through, and there is a ton of it. But first, why don't we go and start off with the book scan Top 20 Graphic Novels list for June 2017. And wow, is there a lot of manga on here. There are 12 manga volumes. 60% of the top 20 is manga. Whoa. Insanity. And the number one for this month is a manga volume. It's the 13th volume of Tokyo Ghoul. The penultimate volume of Tokyo Ghoul. That's ranked number one in the top 20 list for June. And Tokyo Ghoul Volume 1 is not that far behind, ranking at number 6, with Volume 2 of Tokyo Ghoul also ranking on this list at number 16. So Tokyo Ghoul did extremely well this
0: month. Hmm. I'm also seeing three whole volumes of My Hero Academia on this list as well.
1: That's right. Volume 1 of My Hero Academia ranked in at number 7, which is really surprising, for a first volume to sho- shoot back up into the Bookscan Top 20. But I think it's because the anime uh, has been s- on such a hot streak. It's really getting people into the manga again. Yep. And I think that's corroborated by the fact that there are three volumes on this list. But Volume 8... Coming in at number 10, and volume 2 coming in at number 17. So, My Hero Academia is on its way up there to competing with Tokyo Ghoul and One Punch Man as some of the hottest and most popular manga out here in the States right now.
0: Yeah, now that I look at it, this list has, like, pretty much almost all volume 1s of a lot of stuff. Um, That's cause true. Because you, you got volume 1 of uh, Dragon Ball Super ranked at uh, number 9. They got uh, first volume of Boruto ranked at number fourteen, and like you said, One Punch Man volume one ranked at number fifteen. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting trends on this
1: list here. Yeah, a lot of number ones from really popular franchises, but there's also some big surprises that are extremely cool to see. That being my lesbian experience with loneliness ranking on this list at number eleven. That's pretty huge, and as you've probably heard on the last episode, we are huge fans of this manga, and I'm really happy to see it do so well. Competing Mm -hmm. with, like, these big-name anime manga franchises and just other comics, graphic novels in the States in general, it's performed extremely well, and that's really exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm sure uh, Seven Seas is very happy about the, uh, the success of this title.
1: Indeed. And closing off our book scan coverage... The two volumes of The Legend of Zelda manga are on this list, with Twilight Princess Volume 1 being at number 18, and The Legendary Edition Volume 4 coming in at number 19. So The Legend of Zelda manga it continues to be uh, quite successful as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's some good news all around. But I guess we should just move on to some uh, some serialization news. And our first piece of news in that category being uh, that uh, the fifth volume of the Psycho prequel manga, Psychopass uh, Inspector Shinya Kogami, has revealed that the manga will end in the next volume, that being uh, six volumes, which apparently will be shipping out on December 9th. Which, uh, you know, I, now, now that I'm finally actually watching Psychopaths, I feel like I should eventually get this prequel manga a chance at some point.
1: Yeah, I've been meaning to read it. I like Psychopaths a lot, and I definitely want to see Kogami's early days. What led him to become a, uh, enforcer? But now we're moving into some hiatus news. First up being the Bleach novels, the Can't Fear Your Own novels drawn by Ryoko Narta that has been serializing on the Jump Plus app since April 28. These are going on hiatus for a while, but I'm sure they'll be back eventually. But just a heads up for you, have been keeping up with those. And maybe uh, eventually we'll see- also see these novels come over here stateside. I know there's a demand for them.
0: And yeah, like, like you said, we, we have a lot of stuff going on hiatus, unfortunately. Uh, what well, with this uh, this next title? In uh, Shueisha's uh, Bisatsu Margaret magazine, has announced that Karuho Shina's Kimini Todoke manga apparently did not appear in this month's uh, August issue due to uh, Shina's sudden illness, and that. Kimi we will return in next month's issue on August 12th, that being the uh, September issue, which is unfortunate because apparently previously the July issue of the magazine announced uh, last month that the series would uh, enter its final arc with the next chapter, but unfortunately that seems like it'll be uh, delayed for a little bit. Hopefully Sheena gets well.
1: Yeah, hopefully she makes a recovery and it'll be interesting to see the final arc of Kimi Kimimi Todoke that's been going on for over 10 years, and it's heading towards its conclusion, which is, I'm sure, pretty exciting for fans. I need to read that series, I've been interested in it.
0: I've seen an episode of the anime, like, way back, like, back when I was in high school, so I have a somewhat of some familiarity with it, but I would like to actually, like, for real read it at some point.
1: Yep, we need to read more shoujo manga. Let's perpetuate the meme. (laughs) But, also, kind of a meme, is Silver Spoon coming back from hiatus and going back on it.
2: Repeatedly.
1: After only three chapters. It's just like Tagashi's pattern of doing ten chapters and going on hiatus. Like, Arakawa has this thing where she's been coming back for three chapters and then going back on hiatus. Which, you know, it's the Silver Spoon is in its final arc, as you all know. It's heading towards its conclusion. We're almost there, but we're just slowly inching forward because it's only back three chapters of a time, and then we go months without more chapters. But I love Silver Spoon, and I'm still really excited to see how the series will end. And for a series this good, I can put up with the wait.
0: Uh, Yep, I'm pretty much at this point just going to wait until Silver Spoon ends because it's kind of because of the hiatuses that I sort of just kind of I just kind of forgot to go back to it, and I had trouble trying to keep uh, keep track of like when it came back and when it didn't. So I'm probably going to wait till it ends to actually read all of it. And thankfully, it'll be easier to to read now that Yen Press picked it up. So I don't have to read scans for that anymore.
1: Yeah, and in all fairness, to Arakawa she's doing other work besides Silver Spoon, like this next thing. You want to talk about that, Colton?
0: Yeah, so, like Sid just mentioned, Arakawa's usually doing other things, like, I I think she still does the manga adaptation of um, Heroic Legend of Arslan, if I'm not mistaken.
1: She does, and that's stuck to its monthly schedule?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's usually doing other stuff, and part of that workload is apparently she is going to be creating a new manga... For Full Metal Alchemist to commemorate the live-action movie coming out, it's going to be basically a special edition comic for people who attend uh, the theatrical sc- uh, screenings of that live-action movie. So uh, you get a, get a little bonus manga if you go get to go uh, you go see this live-action movie. A little incentive, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's really neat. I- Wonder what kind of story will it be, whether it be like an epilogue to the manga or just some tie-in to the movie. Who knows? It's just cool to get a little bit peek back into the world of Full Metal Alchemist, I suppose, after all this time. Yeah, I,
0: I can't imagine it's not gonna somehow tie into the live-action movie. It'll probably be, like, a prologue to it or something, or... I mean, that's also assuming that the live-action movie does its own, like, original story, which I don't really know for sure.
1: I mean, it's definitely gonna have to condense quite a bit to tell the entire story in one film. So, I wouldn't be surprised if it does do its own take in certain respects.
0: But um, whatever it is, I um, hope we somehow can maybe uh, maybe get that over here. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. And it's worth speculating about. I'm looking forward to. But now to move on to some licensing news. And first off, Digital Manga Inc.'s June Imprint has launched a crowdfunding campaign to launch a small print run of three of its older titles, those being Kyoko Akitsu's A Promise of Romance novel, Sakuya Sakura's Endless Comfort manga, and Muku Ogura's Secrecy of the Shivering Night manga. They need to raise $15,000 by August 10th to reprint these series. And uh, these series all having previously been put out physically back in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So they've been out of print for a while. So if you're a fan of these series, uh, consider donating to the Kickstarter campaign to get uh, them reprinted.
0: Well, there you go. And uh, let's see, in other news, Tokyopop is apparently doing stuff still, I guess. They have announced recently that they have partnered with uh, China's Art Tension Films Corp and Tencent Holdings to release uh, some, uh, some manhwa which uh, are comics that are uh, printed in uh, in China. This particular series, they're actually going to be bringing out Blood of Wars, which had an anime, I think, a couple seasons back. I don't remember exactly when it came out. I didn't really pay attention to it personally. And it looks like Tokyo Pop's going to be releasing that through its Pop Comics digital platform, which I have no idea what that is. It's my first time hearing about that. But you know they'll also be releasing uh, ebook volumes for this particular series as well. Our tension president Kim Zheng, commented that the company quote has partnered with Tokyo Pop to bring the best content from leading platforms such as Tencent for widespread release in the English speaking world. So I mean you know as much as people like to joke about Tokyo Pop and basically give them shit, it is kind of interesting to see them basically dip their feet into into manhwa. Like I don't think a lot of manhwa has been released over here stateside. So. I guess if we get more of that kind of content out of this, then I guess it's a good thing.
1: I know there have been manwa that have been released over here, but I mean, it is good that Tokyo Pop is tacking into a relatively untapped market. Yeah. Uh, I, I do kind of have to wonder if they're doing this because they can't get any manga publishers to work with them. Maybe. <laughs> Either way, it'll be interesting to see how Tokyopop's new monro releases will turn out. Whether they'll have the same problems of old, or maybe they've turned over a new leaf.
0: Or maybe they'll go through new problems.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I could only imagine. Oh, Tokyopop. Pop.
0: Huh. Speaking of digital releases, Sid, um, I think we got some pretty big news on on that front.
1: Yes, something that will certainly please a lot of people. People have been wanting this for a long time. You and Allison, in particular, have been wanting this for a long time. And that is Berserk being offered on digital platforms. That's right. Dark Horse has finally listened to your demands. And they have met them. They're putting out... All of the Zerk, all the volumes on various digital platforms, including digital.dorkurse.com, Apple's iBook Store, Amazon Kindle, Kobo, Barnes and Noble's Nook, Comixology, and Google Play. Many places to buy and read Berserk digitally, which is a really good thing.
0: Yeah, now that you mention it, I'm probably one of the. I'd say, at least in my circles, pretty outspoken about, like, yeah, why isn't this thing digitally? Like, I want to read this, but it's like, like, I want to be able to support Berserk, and I just, but I just, I don't have the money to buy all these physical volumes, and I think buying them digitally will be a godsend for me. It means I won't have to make room for 38 more books that I don't need.
1: (laughs) That's true. It'll save shelf space, though I don't think the cost will be significantly lower than the physical releases from what I've seen, but... Either way, it's great to finally have the option of consuming Berserk digitally. Now, if I understand
0: correctly, I think I was seeing Maxi um, from what I've been seeing of some of his interactions. Um, if I'm to assume correctly, it doesn't look like this digital release of Berserk is available over in the UK, at least not on Comixology. But again, if someone wants to correct me on that, please do. But uh, it seemed from Maxi's discussion with uh, Comixology Support Twitter. It doesn't look like it's available on Comixology over in the UK just yet. But hopefully things will work out for Maxi on that end, because, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a good first step, but definitely I hope to see uh, Berserk being offered in markets outside the US digitally.
0: Yeah. But this is a good first step. So uh, hopefully Dark Horse will look into maybe putting up more of their manga digitally. Like, I I think Wolf and Cubs already available digitally. But is um, Blood Locate Battlefront available digitally? I don't think so.
1: No. No, it's not.
0: Okay. Well, maybe we can get that digitally soon, too, especially with the new season of the anime
1: coming out. Yeah. I mean, they are planning to finish releasing it. They announced that a while ago. So maybe they can also put it up digitally. Uh, It's been long awaited and the manga is way more popular thanks to the anime now. So there's a reason to. Oh,
0: yeah. That and Drifters, too.
1: That too, although, I don't know, who knows if that's getting a second season. But they are continuing to release it, which is good nonetheless.
0: Yeah, this is true. But, um, uh, moving on from that, Udon Entertainment, who we talked about last episode licensing the, um, I forget the name of the manga (laughs) off the top of my head, but the one about, the one about fighting games, I feel so bad that I don't remember the title of that, uh, that was featured at Evo. It looks like at, uh, at Comic-Con this past weekend, they, uh, they announced that, uh, they will be publishing Virginia Nitohei's Otherworldly Izakaya Nobu, which uh, the first volume of that will be coming out in 2018. And uh, the manga in particular is an adaptation of a of a novel series from uh, Natsuya Semikawa. Basically, uh, for those who don't know what an izakaya is, it's, it's essentially a kind of Japanese pub is basically what it is. And, uh it looks like the manga is essentially just about the citizens of a strange world who come to sit down and basically eat eat some Japanese food and they just kind of hang out at this uh, at this really strange wonderful pub I, I think this is actually even getting an anime pretty soon too yeah this looks like it could be like a nice little like I'm not sure if I want to say slice of life but uh so, some very like laid back very atmospheric kind of series it looks like
1: yeah you know this sounds exactly like restaurant to another world which is on uh, country right now mm-hmm. but it's still a pretty appealing premise, so I'd like to see what the differences are and how it turns out.
0: But uh speaking of Comic-Con, uh, Sid, this Media had some licenses this weekend.
1: They did. They had some big licenses. I know people were disappointed with what they had to announce at Anime Expo, but they certainly made up for it for what they announced at Comic-Con International because I'm just going to lead right off with the big one here. They have licensed Kimetsu no Yaiba. They're retitling it as Demon Slayer, but yes, finally Kimetsu no Yaiba, the long-awaited shounen action manga by Koyoharu Haro Gojuke that's been running in Jump that people have really been liking and really been wanting to get licensed, has finally been licensed. I remember I really enjoyed the Jumpstart run back when it first debuted, so I'm really looking forward to see it continue to be released, and yeah, it's... About time.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure V Lord was very happy to hear this.
1: <laughs> v Lord, all my friends on Animation Revelation, this is really exciting news. Yeah. But there are also an other cool manga that Viz has licensed. One of those being Suyoshi Takake's Black Torch, a story about a guy who's descended from a long line of shinobi that can talk to animals. So Ooh. this has like a pretty like awesome looking cover but also has a cute sounding story. yeah who doesn't like a ninja who likes animals
0: <laughs> it actually does sound pretty
3: adorable
1: it does so I, I think it will be a battle manga since they're gonna be battling against powerful menacing spirits but it has a cute aspect to it which is neat but also coming is aka akasaka's kaguya sama love is war this manga is about two prideful geniuses locked in battle that battle being who will be the first to confess their love oh no. that sounds like a fun like a uh, way to do a, a rom-com story like, make it kind of a psychological battle between who can confess their feelings first. That sounds intriguing. And, yeah. All of these manga sound like a lot of fun. They're all going to be published under the Shonen Jump imprint. Really good gets. Also, a great get is uh, Inyo Asano's Dead Dead Demons DDD Destruction. That's right. More Inyo Asano. I know Casey's already, like, jumping for joy at this news.
2: Sure. But,
1: yes... Uh, this is his most recent series it has been publishing in big comics Spirits since April 2014 and yeah this is coming it's about a strange everyday life of uh two schoolgirls in a world where like an alien mothership appears over Tokyo I read a bit of the it back when it was first being scanned it is definitely very asano very strange uh, <laughs> with lots of coming of life teams but coming of age teams rather but yeah really great get I can't wait to read this legally as well so awesome more asano is always a great thing. But Wiz has not stopped there because they are also adding a new series to their free section. <gasps> That's right. They're adding the spin off of My Hero Academia, Vigilantes. You might remember us talking about this way back in the My Hero Academia discussion. We had a question asking us, How would you compare uh, Vigilante in the series? And we weren't able to answer it because, you know, it wasn't legally available back then. But now it will be. Starting on August 7th, Viz will be publishing chapters of *Vigilante* weekly until it catches up with Japan. Afterwards, it will switch to a monthly release schedule, like Japan, just like how they've been how they did *Dragon Ball Super*. Mm. So, yeah, this is uh, something I'm looking forward to reading as well, because I've heard great things about it. And uh, if you want, more My your Academia in your life, this is a great way to get another fix of it.
0: Mm, hell, I even remember, uh, uh we talked about this when this was first premiering in, like, uh, Jump Giga, when this was just first uh,
1: uh That's uh, right, a we thing. had a half-an-hour debate with Josh Dunham about it, which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I think looking back, some of the concerns about this manga were uh, unwarranted because it apparently turned out really great. And I'm looking forward to reading it.
0: But, but also, also Josh's opinion on My Hero Academia is, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I don't want to say it's wrong, but it's, um, you know, he's not exactly as positive about it as uh, one would hope. So
1: Well, you know, he's there's, not there's as that. wrong about MHA as he is about Centaur's life. <laughs> you know, I have, I have a qualm with Josh, Doctor, and Buggy about that, but... They'll see eventually. Eventually I'll do an impromptu Centaur's Life is Great podcast, or I'll just finish editing the Monster Girls manga fight because we praised the shit out of uh, Centaur's Life on that. But yeah. No, you, you guys are wrong. Centaur's life is amazing. I
0: almost want to go and buy the first volume so I can do a review about it on here and and, and, and see what all the hubbub's about, because I, I hear a lot of mixed opinions on Centaur's life. I either hear, oh, it's not that great, or... Oh yeah, the anime's not that great, but the manga's better, or not actually the manga's not that good. It, I really, I really hear a lot of differing opinions on this, and it kind of makes me interested in taking a look.
1: I would agree that I don't think the anime is that great an adaptation so far. The biggest, like, thing I agree with with Josh is that the production of it is not that great. It's pretty below standard in many Mm. respects. And I do feel like the focus and the way that the series has been adapting the material is a little piecemeal and doesn't, like, have a lot of cohesion to it. But, you know, the manga, I really enjoy that. I wasn't expecting to. I just randomly decided to read it. One day, but it was like, I got super into it. Like, it has really interesting things to say. And it has, like, just some of the best world building that I've ever read in a manga. It's just really, really deep and fascinating. And
0: that is some high praise that I was not expecting for this, uh, for this series.
1: (laughs) I gotta admit that you can't just read the first volume and, like, just immediately, like, get it. Because it's definitely, like, something that just keeps building on top of each volume in terms of, like, the deeper mysteries in the world and then your understanding of the characters and then all of the, like, things going on in this society and stuff. So it's, like, the first volume, like, it's great first volume, but you just gotta read, like, more of it to, like, get that understanding. So it's not a series that, like, from the first couple of chapters or episodes you're just gonna get it you really do need to stick around for the long haul to see what it's actually trying to say what it's what its mm. messages actually are so that's kind of one thing that you know i've noticed with people that i'm just you know shaking my head at you know it's, it's just starting out you gotta you gotta give it some time you gotta actually s- Wait and see where it's going with this.
0: To be fair, if it's any consolation, I've had these same discussions with Josh about My Hero Academia as well. So <laughs> I, I totally I totally feel where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to rant about Centaur's life for uh, two, three minutes there. Let's, let's move on to some more Jump-related news.
0: Yeah, and also some uh, industry news in general. So um it looks like, according to the, this year's past uh, 31st and 32nd issues of Weekly Shonen Jump, both of those issues list Hiroyuki Nakano as the editor-in-chief of the magazine instead of uh, Yoshihisa Heishi. Apparently, Heishi became editor-in-chief in in 2011 after Sasaki stepped down from the role himself. Heishi is now the 10th editor-in-chief of the magazine. And yeah, so it just kind of seems like Jump just kind of added that as like a footnote in the magazine. Like, oh yeah, we have a new editor-in-chief. I mean, I don't know if like usually this kind of thing is treated as like a big ceremonious kind of thing. But it just seems kind of interesting to me how like it was just kind of thrown out there. Like, yeah, we have have a new editor-in-chief.
1: Yeah, so there's a, a change in direction going on at Jump, which is interesting. I wonder what the ramifications uh, will be down the line.
0: Without kind of jumping ahead too far, I thought this was due to backlash for another story we're going to be covering, but it seems like that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I couldn't imagine that would be a reason at all. But moving on to more industry news, there's something really cool that's happening if you're a Shigeru Mizuki fan because the official Twitter account in Mizuki Productions revealed that a story draft for a manga labeled Necoman has recently been uncovered. An unfinished manga by Shigeru Mizuki has recently been uncovered. A story about a baby of justice who connects the human and cat worlds. Mizuki only finished a concept of the story before he passed away, but this is a pretty cool like revelation about this new story that he uh he was writing, so. Yeah, it's cool.
0: I wonder if this will probably be put up in a museum over in Japan or something.
1: I hope it will be. I hope they have an exhibit for Mizuki's manga because he deserves one. Because I can't
0: can't imagine that, like, maybe out of respect, you know, no one's probably going to actually, like, touch this and try to finish it, which I'd be fine with.
1: Yeah, this is just a good piece of history. I mean, Tesca had himself so many unfinished drafts that, you know, no one's going to go back and finish. They're going to, like, leave this as a reminder of his legacy. So that's a pretty cool find. And also something that's pretty cool is something that's not definitively happening, but there's been some interest expressed by anime producer Masao Maruyama back at Japan Expo that, you know, he wants to produce an anime based on Satoshi Kun's Opus manga. And this project has not been greenlit, you know, this is not happening yet, but you know there is interest there which would be really cool to see a adaptation of Opus. Yeah. It kind of like it can't recapture like Satoshi Kon's magic as a director but it would be cool to see some of his manga stories be adapted into anime regardless by people who are very passionate about his work.
0: Yeah, and, and like, I'm open to interpretations of, of his work. I think that could be a cool thing. But I think that about does it for our industry news.
1: That's right. And now we're just going to move on to some loose ends. The first of which being uh, an update for those of you who are planning to attend Otacon next year. There's been a fake hotel booking website called otacon 2017org that's not affiliated with the convention uh, the website's offline now, but if you had booked your hotel reservations through that website, I, uh, recommend you contact Otacon's official housing provider, Experient. I'll just say the email is otaconhousing at experientinc.com. I'll just leave that in the description of, uh, the podcast for you there, so you can contact them. But, uh, yeah, so if you booked through that website, uh, definitely, you know, uh, follow up and, uh. You know, see uh, what you can do to get some refunds there.
0: Yeah, not necessarily manga news, but we figured it'd be um, important just to let everybody know about this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, now we're moving on to a big quote unquote controversy.
0: Yeah, so th- this uh, story is kind of loaded. So I'll just give you the basic details. See, this is one of those things where I can't remember if this has been mentioned on the podcast because I feel like V Lord and Maxi mentioned this series a lot on Twitter. But just in case you guys may not know, there is a series in Weekly Shonen Jump that, unsurprisingly, hasn't really been picked up by Viz or is not in their jump.
1: Yeah, they never jump
0: started it. No, called uh Yuna of Yoragi Manor, which I don't know this the particular premise of the series. All I know is that it is very racy and uh has a lot of um somewhat questionable content at least for Jump's demographic over here. It's 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 kind of like when um when Jump decided not to pick up uh, Lady Justice, I believe it was mm-hmm. called for a Jump start and Yeah. You know, not surprisingly so, because I'm pretty sure that was about a woman who was a superhero in her underwear or something. I mean, granted, that sounds like it could be like a funny, racy kind of manga, but from what I hear, it wasn't that great. And no, it canceled it pretty quickly. Yeah, it was pretty lame. <laughs> so, Yoragi Manor, in the 31st issue of Weekly Shonen Jump, was featured on the cover of that issue, and uh, was also the issue where they published the results of a character popularity poll for the series. And, um... Basically, the controversy comes from the opening spread where, assumingly, all the, uh, all the main girls, I'm guessing, the harem, essentially, uh, essentially all has their bikini tops and bottoms all accidentally falling off. And in my opinion, uh, shows a bit too much for Jump, honestly. Um, this is like, this is the kind of thing, like just looking at the spread, this is the kind of thing I would expect from stuff like To Love Room and like Jump Square. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, uh, from a lot of different walks of life had a lot to say about this. Sid, do you want to cover a few of those viewpoints?
1: Sure. Uh, lawyer Keiko Ota said that uh, you shouldn't let your sons read Jump because depicting sexual harassment as pleasure is a problem. Then gender studies professor at Osaku University, Kazu Muta said that people learning from a long age, seeing females as sexual objects, annoying a partner's protests, and then engaging in naked sexual acts is normal. Uh, there are net commenters saying that letting boys read jump is a poor choice, and then there are also people saying that not letting them read jump is a poor choice because seeing erotic images is a necessary part of growing into adulthood. You know, it's just basically a lot of people are like. Some people say, ah, oh, this is no big deal. You know, it's it's normal to let people like get exposed to this kind of stuff, and other people are like, no, uh, we gotta keep our kids away from uh, sexy stuff. An erotic imagery, uh, this is, this is impure, this is unseemly. Like, the most probably important comment, I guess, is Tatsua Egawa, who said that trying to, uh, ban depictions like those in Yuna of Uragi Manor would be like an idiot's ban, and it's like, really tame compared to stuff in Gonagai's Horenchi Gakuen, which was, uh, a jump manga from, like, 1968, which is actually really, uh, influential and important, and I would like to read that, but unfortunately it's not, uh, ever gonna be licensed, probably, but...
0: Probably. Like, like, the, like the, mon- the manga ended in the PTA, I think, killing all of the main characters, if I'm not remembering correctly.
1: I think that was just a story arc, and continue continuing after that from what Maxi said, but I don't know. But either way, it sounds wild, and that's why I want to read it. But anyway, uh, Igawa said that Barefoot Gen's the worst influence, because it's not uh nationalist or whatever but so I don't know about that
0: yeah i i I thought that was kind of um questionable, honestly,
1: yeah, but uh so it it shows the difference in cultural values between a lot of different people, like you know there are a lot of different sides, a lot of people who are weighing in on this, so I guess the big thing here is to address. This image, what are we seeing here? Is this like sexual violence? Is this exploitation? What, what is happening here? I wouldn't say nothing violent is happening here. I don't
0: know. There isn't anybody, I guess, on screen, if for lack of a better word, there's nobody on screen like tearing the clothes off these girls or anything like, you know. Um, yes. Yeah, like so that. So you
1: can't even say this is sexual harassment because no one is tearing off their clothes or whatever. I mean, I guess you could argue that like the harassment is coming from the reader. There's like this voyeuristic pleasure we're taking in these girls' embarrassment. Maybe mm. I don't know. I don't know. You could you could do some psychoanalysis of this to to justify whatever perspective. But like I look at this. Two page spread and I just see, yeah, this sure is a a fan servicey color spread with a uh, with naked girls, whatever.
0: Yeah, like literally, just take out the nipples and you can just show as much as you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are basically almost naked, which is kind of really extreme. They have like some very stringy clothing, but like a lot of these girls, like their tops have fallen off and like they are just basically naked. which just bare bones, covering up their nipples and, like, their mm-hmm. crotches. and it's... Yeah. So, this maybe did go a little too far for, like, a mainstream manga that's aimed towards kids. But at the same time, is what Yuna of Man are doing here any different than the kind of stuff we've seen before in Jump? And the kind of stuff we're still seeing in Jump Square because of Two Love, Crew Darkness and Weekly Shonen Magazine? has really racy manga like this that have like spreads and color pages which you know have like women as like close to naked as possible there's like manga from like fairy tale and fluka you know even manga i like in that magazine like seven deadly sins can get pretty racy i feel like jump and the series is just being targeted because it's like the most popular you know, that's the one people most know about. But, yeah. you know, if you're going to criticize this as a problem, why haven't you spoken up about everything else that's been going on all this time?
0: Yeah, like, what's stopping people from complaining about stuff like Food Wars?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, Food Wars is another great example. That has plenty of images, you know, it maybe didn't have a color spread exactly like this, but it's had plenty of times where, like, women are, like, depicted as practically naked and like er- having orgasms pretty much <laughs> that's pretty sexual I, you yeah. know i i'm sure food wars has received its fair share of complaints but
0: and, and and hell when um when food wars was being brought over in the viz jump i forget if it was if it was the writer or the artist but one of them actually expressed concern about now that their series was being published in english for people to see that they were like conscious of the fan service they were depicting so so I thought that was always kind of interesting. That that was like that was like one of their opening comments for when uh Food Wars first actually premiered in the Viz Jump. I always thought that was kind of interesting. I can't say for sure whether that's really died down too much cuz I'm not caught up on Food Wars, but apparently from what I'm hearing it really hasn't, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't think it has.
0: But yeah, I don't know. Like I do personally feel like, you know, like you said, people are only targeting Jump because it's the most popular manga anthology magazine out there. So it kind of makes it an easy target. And also I I also feel like, you know, this series in particular is only being targeted because this was the featured series in that issue like front and center. And I think that's the only reason why people really took any kind of notice of it is because Jump just happened to feature the series in that issue.
1: Yeah, and like the big criticism and the big concern is like about, you know, sex, right? It's about like exposing kids to sex or like The idea of sex. And it's like, you don't really get that from just this image. They're like naked girls. But it's not like there's a sexual act being committed here. I feel like in Japanese culture, you know, or at least just in anime and manga, you see, like, sexual harassment all the time. And that's really problematic. But, like...
0: Yeah, it's terrible.
1: This isn't even sexual harassment in this one image. So it's like, it's just like they're falling from the sky for some reason and their clothes are falling off. So whatever. I don't know. Of all the things that you could criticize, of all the actual legitimately problematic sexual undertones and concepts that are actually a kind of a concern in anime and manga that, you know, should be discussed and addressed, I feel like criticizing the series, raising this quote-unquote controversy over this one color spread from Yuna Viraki Manor is, like, really missing the mountain for the mole here, you know?
0: No, I, I agree. I mean, like, you know, I think this just goes back to a whole thing. Like, I kind of compare this to, I mean, I don't think the movement is as strong nowadays because, you know, who, who watches television anymore? But, you know, I remember when I was a kid, like, a long time ago, where the big thing was parents trying to keep track of, like, the kind of shows that the kids watch and whatnot. And, you know, this whole big movement where it's like, this cartoon is too violent, like, you got to take it off the air because, you know, parents don't actually want to take the time to, like, actually monitor what kind of content their kids are watching because they're just lazy. So they think, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, my kids shouldn't be watching this. Obviously, it shouldn't be airing. Like, you know, I, I feel like it's the, it's the same kind of thing here where it's like, you know, if my kid were reading Jump, I would try and make sure that maybe they don't read the series in particular. Or at the very least, you know, like, because I, I do kind of feel like maybe this kind of thing... Like, this particular spread, I feel like, might be a bit much for Jump. But I also don't think this should be a cause for, like, censorship in other, like, series or whatnot. You know what I mean? Which I don't think it will. But, like, I don't want this to be some kind of stepping stone for any kind of, like, other needless censorship. Because one series decided, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna have this really hot, racy color spread that
1: week or whatever. Yeah, so th- this is an issue that has uh many sides to it. There's like many an- cultural angles you could, uh, take to this discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's this concept mentioned about the lucky sukebe or lucky pervert, which, uh, you know, one person, a lawyer called Yoshitaka Miura, described the image as, which he described as, you know, it's unreasonable to compare that to sexual harassment and sexual violence because it's just like a voyeuristic kind of fan servicey thing. So it's not like meant to be harmful i would
0: still say that even like as far as uh, voyeurism goes like i still feel i mean like, i think
1: this is a little far too because you know yeah
0: i feel dirty looking at this honestly
1: <laughs> it does feel like it went a little too far it does feel like you're kind of crossing the line here in terms of like what you should be depicting but at least for, you know, mainstream children's manga.
0: Yeah, because, you know, a lot of children and teenagers re-jump. And this is really the kind of thing you should maybe, like, put in the back of the magazine, you know? Maybe not. I mean, I get it if, like, Shueisha probably wants to promote this thing as much as possible. Like, they would with any of their other manga that they want to sell. So, So I can kind of understand it from that perspective. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like for this kind of thing, you shouldn't be showing this kind of thing front and center. Where, like, anybody could see it. Because I feel like if they... Like, if this were, like, in the very back of the magazine, I don't think anybody would care.
1: I mean, it's a color page. So, you know, even if it was at the back, if someone leaked it online, people would probably pay attention. I don't know. Whatever. It's a controversy that's like, doesn't really have an answer. You know, people are just going to get up on a hubbub and, you know, have the same, like, discussions again. But there's, there's no real conclusions to draw here.
0: It's not black and white.
1: It's just about what you're comfortable with and whether or not you think Yuna of went too far. But either way, the series is successful so it's not, it's gonna stick around. I'm sure that the author will probably be convinced to tone this kind of stuff down, at least like in terms of these color pages in the future. Because the manga itself, from what I have seen with it, is, you know, pretty explicit in itself. You know, it's it does show a lot actually, which you know, uh, I was surprised Jump could, uh, get away with that as much as it does, but, uh, still, it's, it's gonna stick around and, uh, you know, it's a pretty harmless series all things considered, so I don't think it's, uh, it's gonna turn Japan into a culture of sexual deviance, uh, if they aren't already ones from all the other anime and manga that have, uh, more harmful messages. Yeah, I agree. But uh, we talked about that for a long time, so let's wrap up here. It was warrant of some discussion. Oh yeah, th- this was basically a discussion topic. But wrapping up here, we're going to be talking about some live-action film adaptation news. And the first one being City Hunter. That's getting a French live-action film by director Philippe Lachaud. That's going to be coming out by Sony Pictures France Ooh. on February 6th, 2019. This news also following from an announcement of a separate Chinese live action film adaptation that was greenlit for like December 2018 for China. So there's like two concurrent film adaptations of City Hunter that are happening in two different countries that are going to come out within months of each other, which is pretty interesting.
0: Well, we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, so the main character of City Hunter, Rio Saiba, is going to be renamed as Nikki Larson, apparently. Okay. And is going to be played by Philippe Lachaud himself. So, that'll be interesting, but it is basically still going to be City Hunter, for what it looks like. So, yeah.
0: So, we have, like, one more piece of live-action oh, adaptation news, yeah, but... but uh, this but, news is yeah. too
1: big. It's, it's too yeah. big for just the two of us to discuss alone. Man, I, I wish we had a third person to discuss this news with us. A third person who knows this series really well, who has, on Twitter, expressed his thoughts on this piece of news and has an interesting perspective. But where, Colton? Where are we gonna find this mythical third person to help us discuss this news. Oh wait, we found the dirt person. That person is Sam Leech. He's gonna be here with us to discuss this news and to discuss the series that this news is attached to. That series being one piece, and I am excited to get to that. So yeah, Yo yeah, Yo Yo! <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing! Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah,
3: yo Don't give it up, blue face! Don't give it up now, man. Don't give it up. Give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up,
0: give it up. Here's how the story goes: we find out by the treasure in the grand line. There's no doubt. The pirate whose eye is on it, he'll sing. I'll be king. I'll be pirate king. Yo, yo,
3: oh, his name is Luffy. That's Monkey D. He's gonna be king of the pirates. He's made a rumble. How did that happen? Yo ho ho! He
0: took a bite of gum gum. Here, let me, gonna here here right now. All right, and joining us for our, our last piece of news and for the rest of the show here is uh, Sam Leach from the One Piece podcast and a uh, writer over at uh, ANN, Anime News Network. How are you doing, Sam?
2: Hey, guys, how's it going? Am I getting too close to the mic? <laughs> I'm, to, I'm, 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 like, basically kissing it right now. <laughs>
0: I I like that kind of uh, NPR voice you're doing there, Sam. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, great radio voice. So yeah, Sam, uh, we decided uh, we decided basically that we wanted to wait to have you on to discuss our last piece of news because uh, you know just just happens to <laughs> do with the topic at hand today. Uh, so as some of you may have already found out, this past uh, July 22nd, uh, it was announced at the uh at the One Piece Tokyo Tower I believe that uh One Piece is getting a live action TV series produced in Hollywood uh as overseen by Tomorrow Studios under the supervision of Marty Adelstein uh who was also a executive producer on The Prison Break. And so uh
1: this is some
0: uh, this is some pretty big news.
1: Mhm. One Piece will return to US television. <laughs> In some form, and in a form that we never would have expected.
2: Well, to be fair, it's like I'm sorry. No, no, go on. I'm just. It's like one of those things where it's hard to know how how real it is because anime, especially, they tend to these projects in Hollywood tend to get kind of lost in development. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe we're at the end of that that phase where people say they're going to make an anime movie and then never do.
1: Yeah. It's worth noting that Tomorrow Studios is also working on the announced live-action TV series for Cowboy Bebop. So this is like the second anime-related property that they'll be working on. And Tomorrow Studios is a pretty young studios. I mean, it's a subsidiary of... uh Nutter studio but like they only really have two shows that they've have done so far so they're a pretty young studio right now Uh, they've only done Aquarius for NBC which ran from 2015 to 2016 and Good Behavior for TNT which is uh currently ongoing I heard that is pretty good but aside from that they have a lot of announced projects but they haven't uh you know gone forward with them yet. So, we don't know like how down the pipes like this one piece TV series is going to be. It might be a matter of years before we actually see it materialize, if it materializes at all.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, so um I don't know I don't know how I feel about this just yet. Um because for for the longest time, I feel like I was pretty against the idea of a one piece live action anything just because I really felt like I felt like One Piece just works so well in in animation and drawing that I'm not. I mean, obviously, you know, if if this actually gets produced and doesn't get lost in development, like we were just saying, I, you know, and I I also listened to um, to the short discussion that you guys over at the One Piece podcast uh, released just a little while ago, and uh, which I thought was an interesting discussion. Um, I I also I'm also kind of of the same opinion that uh, obviously. Uh, this live action series probably isn't going to fully capture the spirit of one piece, at least uh, in, in my opinion, it, I, I just don't think it will. But I, I guess I'm not like now that it's happening, I guess I'm, I'm kind of open to it, but I'm also still pretty skeptical at the same time. Like I'm hoping it's good, but I mean like, you know, if it ends up being bad, you know, it's, 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 it's not like the original manga and anime are going to go away because of it, you know?
2: right and exactly <clears throat> from what i understand the the like kind of the internal uh goal is to make it like anything but dragon ball evolution like even <laughs> if it's bad it's not going to be dragon ball evolution Yes, yeah,
1: so I think Shueisha has learned from that, that, and I'm sure they're going to have more creative control over how this uh, One Piece TV show turns out. And I definitely think that they'll try and get Oda's involved as possible as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, they saw like without the input of the original creator and, you know, them watching closely uh, how much of a train wreck uh, Dragon Ball evolution turned out. And One Piece is too big a property to let them see be messed
2: up that badly. And the impression I get is this is kind of Oda's baby, <laughs> like this is what Oda wants. Like he, th- uh, what I think they're going for, or what I th- when I assume they're trying to attempt is they they want to go back to like two thousand ten, two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, when One Piece was the biggest thing ever in Japan, uh, and it's dwindled a lot since then. Like it's now it's only like just. The most best-selling <laughs> manga every year by like a couple million volumes.
1: Only, um, only, yeah, only. it only sells double of what the number two manga of the year is.
2: <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think that's been true lately. Like, I think Attack on Titans like only like three or four million behind. Um, well, One
1: Piece sells eight million. Attack on Titan sells four million. That's still double, double.
2: No, no. Like Attack on Titans like fifteen, and One Piece is like eighteen which is which is small compared to like the 38 that One Piece sold in like uh 2011. Um but I think th- I think I think they want another like humongous One Piece boom. Uh and they want America to be involved this time. Yeah. So, that's what I think they're kind of going for and and I man, like I'm I'm super interested in I'm I'm just so interested in what that end product is going end product is going to look like because like I do think they, I do think they are going for like, kind of a Game of Thrones crowd. Honestly, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna guess, I, I, I genuinely think that's kind of what has them bit right now.
1: Yeah, I would make the comparison. Like, it is a One Piece is a fantasy epic, and there isn't like anything quite like it on U.S. television. Like, it's more lighthearted than Game of Thrones, but it has like the same epic, grand scope
2: mm-hmm. of well, a series I mean, like, it's like a, that. Yeah, it's a it's a story about like all these different like groups of people. Who are like in competition with each other, crossing paths and like the world changing as a result. Yeah, it's um the way I've been describing One Piece lately is just like it's it's Game of Thrones with Muppets, basically. And I, <laughs> I hope I hope that is the pitch for the live action show.
1: Yeah. I mean, they'll probably have to use some Muppets, uh, in some cases for some characters, or at least some really good animatronics
2: or costuming. You would hope. I mean, they, they're saying, like, that That um, Marty Aldson guy, I guess, said that this might end up being, like, the most expensive TV show ever made.
1: Yeah, so they'll definitely put in effort, hopefully, you know, to make it, like, r- to really bring the world of One Piece to life in live action. Because that is a big task. Because One Piece is such a cartoon. It is such, like, this fantastical imaginary world that... You know, you can't perfectly replicate it in real life unless you go the extra mile yeah. to like really try and like recreate it.
0: Yeah, like you, you really can't half-ass this. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we have too much uh, information at the moment outside of that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this develops, and basically, I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping for good things. I really want, I really, as much as as much as I don't care for live-action adaptations of anime, um, have you know, seen do...
2: Speed Racer?
1: <laughs> I see, I have it, but I, Speed I Racer's know Speed Racer is a great example of how to like do a live-action cartoon. Like it is really fun and how it's stylized. I I remember I remember when that movie was a thing, and I, I
0: didn't really think anything of it, but like everybody, including Sam. I've just I've heard say so many good things about it that I might actually just have to watch it pretty soon
2: here. Speed Racer is an example of like a very very CGI heavy, uh, cartoony take on anime, and I think like the right way to do One Piece in live action is to go more the Muppets, more the the like dark children's fantasy kind of angle. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I
0: could see that. But yeah, just as I was saying, uh, as much as I don't care for live action adaptations of anime in general, I. I want to be as positive about this as I can without, you know, getting my hopes up too much. Um, but I'm just, I'm it's, this is going to be a very interesting next couple of years, to seeing how this develops.
1: Um, and in that, in that respect, I can't wait.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: All you can be really is optimistic. Like, I've seen a lot of naysayers on Twitter who've reacted to this news, like, what, this can only be a terrible idea. But we gotta just wait and let it and let's see what happens, you know, like, what's the point in decrying it if it's like they're going forward with it? You know, we can only, like, hope that it'll turn out the best possible product that it can be. And sure, Hollywood has not had a great track record with live action adaptations. Uh, If you listen to my Ghost in the Shell uh episode of Manga Mavericks at Movies, which is not out yet, but might be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh you know i had some very negative things to say about how that was handled as an adaptation but you can do good adaptations of uh, anime and manga in live action the rurouni kenshin films are a great testament to that the baccemon film is excellent uh, there are great examples out there you can do it so i think that we should just wait and see how they handle one piece and i think that you know it's a risk but if it you know, pays off Then, just to how the Song of Ice and Fire books, you know, received a huge boost in popularity thanks to Game of Thrones. One Piece will uh, receive the same from a good live action TV show adaptation. It could be a really huge thing.
2: And if it's good, I look forward to um, basically getting what like fans of like superhero comics and stuff have been getting lately where you just get to get excited about like, oh my god, who are they going to cast this person, or oh, what kind of <laughs> Easter eggs are they going to give us?
0: Oh my god, I, I, can't wait yeah. for the, I can't wait for the next installment of the One Piece cinematic universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you know, this is like one step closer to the my dream of seeing them do a Shonen Jump cinematic universe. I've wanted, I really actually want them to do that. That would be so amazing. Like, them going forward with this uh, One Piece TV show. I can only imagine maybe like a, something akin to the CW's DC shows. Like eventually we are going to get a bunch of uh, TV show adaptations of Shonen Jump properties. And then they make up some excuse for them to have crossovers that, you know, are really flimsy, but fun all the same. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really great. I personally hope it might be maybe like a Netflix thing because I can't imagine this airing like on on primetime tv
1: or maybe
2: maybe that's what they'll go for I don't know I think that's what they want to go for
1: Yeah I mean it, it I mean I feel like the tone in terms of like how it would balance like humor and uh more seriousness would probably be akin to how the CW show DC shows do it uh hopefully more so akin to the Flash than uh something like Arrow but all the same Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, that's all we can do. But it's, like, a huge, exciting development to see happen for One Piece 20 years in. And I think we should now, like, turn back around and just discuss, like, the ride we've been in as fans following the series for as long as we have been.
0: Um, Sam. Since you're our guest, um, you want to talk about how you got into One Piece first?
2: Yeah, uh, it was just sort of this the, the show that I, I've, I, I, like I've known of the show for like as long as I can remember. remember. Like I th- think the first time I saw it was probably in like an old American Shonen Jump. It was during the uh, Baratier arc, but I didn't I didn't really pay much attention to it because I was all about you know Dragon Ball and Naruto back then. Then once Funimation took over on Toonami. Like when that news happened and they're like, oh, uh, that show that everyone keeps telling me is really good um, and has had you know a terrible dub this whole time. It's finally going, they're going to replace all those old actors with uh, Dragon Ball Z actors and it's going to be less edited and it's going to be cooler. And I'm like, oh, that's super interesting. I want, I want to see what that sounds like at the very least because I, I knew the 4 version. Like I'd seen it on in the background plenty of times. I, I knew where the story was at that point. Uh, but it wasn't until I was actually watching it week to week, uh, just for like, just for the novelty of the new voices that I like got hooked. I got to that point where, uh, Luffy punches Bellamy and he has that, that really cool like, where am I going? The sky moment. And I was like, okay, I just have to watch the whole show now. Uh, so I, ju- <laughs> I jumped to the, f- I jumped to the, uh, <clears throat> fan subs and, uh, I, ca- I caught up in the Japanese version from there. And then when, uh, I caught up with the, the manga, I kind of had this like revelation of like, oh my god, this is like the new most important thing in my life. Uh, I caught <laughs> up like I caught up like near the end of uh, Marine Ford, which is when I like finally was like completely caught up and like like Ace was just about to die, so which was a pretty great time to catch up because that that ride is just like every week it's just like bam 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 something just like mind blowingly oh, yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, that was that was definitely a pretty great read week to week.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean that was like. My experience is like reading One Piece like week to week for the first time was like, I started in Impel Down because I like on the Toon Zone forums, there would be this tread for like people keeping up with the latest uh, One Piece chapters. So one time I popped in there and I saw that, holy crap, Buggy, Mr. Spear, Mr. Two were back. What? When? <laughs> wow. And so I immediately like, oh man, so there's this Impel Down arc and like all the... old old villains are going to come back and team up with Luffy. Oh my God, I have to read this. So that's when I started like keeping up with the series week to week, uh, starting like from Impel Down onwards. And then, yeah, Marineford. Now that is quite a ride, (laughs) but continue with Sam.
2: Uh, And I mean, that's, that was the bulk of me catching up with it and experiencing it for the first time. My, uh, I, I have the most like kind of softest spot for, the the Skypia and Water Seven marathons and for all the the marathons that would come as a result of me like catching up with the D V D releases. Like I just like okay, starting with season one, uh catching up with uh everything else that's been out lately, uh, and just watching the dub for the first time and re watching the old East Blue stuff.
0: Uh Sid, you could talk about uh how you got into it. I'm actually kind of interested. <laughs>
1: Okay. So I got into One Piece in 2005, and that 2005 was the year where I was like really getting in to anime in general. Like starting at the beginning of year, uh, I caught like the final couple episodes of Dragon Ball GT, and that got me like into Dragon Ball, believe it or not. So I was like marathoning like a bunch of Dragon Ball from everywhere. Like I was getting tapes and stuff. And I was also watching the lost episodes week to week, cause, uh, they took the first 16 episodes of GT. And then they just, uh, saved them for later because, uh, no one liked the <laughs> early stuff apparently. So they were broadcasting those and I was watching those week to week and I was like super into them. And then like I realized, oh no, it's over. It's going to be done this week. Gosh darn it. What's happening? What is it? What show are they going to replace my precious Dragon Ball with? And that show, guess what? Was One Piece. And I was like, hmm. Okay. Well. I'll I'll try this show. I, I don't know it, about it looks, this One
0: Piece thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> looks only a one little of them.
3: bit... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it looks a little bit like Dragon Ball, I guess. But it's it's not Dragon Ball. I'll, I'll try this. And I watched uh, the first couple episodes uh, when they premiered. Because when Ten- One Piece was added to Tanami for the first time, they aired uh, a, a, two episodes a week. So like, I watched the first two episodes and I was like... Yeah, you know, I, I could dig this. This is funny. I, I like this Luffy guy. He's, 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 uh, he's a charming little protagonist. He's kinda like Goku. Yeah. 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 So, so I, uh, that's how I got into One Piece. I, I started watching it on Toonami, and that was, It would be, like, my third anime, basically, that I got into. Because there is... I started off with Dragon Ball, and then in March of 2005 came Zatch Bell, and then May of 2005, that was One Piece. So, One Piece was, like, one of my earliest anime series, and so, you know, of course I've been witted for such a long time, but, uh, uh, in my anime fandom. But yeah, so, over the course of, like, however long uh, I would just watch One Piece on Toonami and whatever... And, uh, you know, I didn't know at the time, like, about all the changes from the original version or even about the, like, manga. I mean, like, I knew there was a manga because I'd seen it around, but, like, I hadn't read it yet until, like, the end of the year. Cause at the end of 2005, they, uh, that was when the first printing of Volume 9 of One Piece came out. Uh, Volume 9 being, uh, like, the bulk of like, some of the major bits in Arlong Park, that's Nami's backstory, yeah. that's like, the big scene at the end is like when Luffy goes to confront Arlong, that's like, so I picked up, I picked that up, and like, cause I would seen that in the anime, you know, and of course in the four kids version, uh, a lot of that is completely different, you know, uh, Belle doesn't get shot, like she's, prone in prison uh and sent to the dungeon, dungeon. <laughs> uh yeah which uh i don't know i guess she died in the dungeon uh otherwise they would have i free... uh, see that confused me in the and anim- in the four kids died because i didn't know like was did she die in the dungeon did, was she because why didn't they free her after like to beat arlong so i was uh so now i i read this volume i picked it up this was the first volume of one piece i bought i think this is the it had to be, like, the first volume of a manga other than Dragon Ball that I picked up. So, you know, this volume is also very special for me in that respect. And so, you know, I read through it, and I was like, whoa, the tone of this, you know, it's still funny, but, like, it's a lot more serious than uh, than what the four kids version, what the anime was was showing me. And, whoa, this the story between Nami and Belmare, like, I liked it in the anime, but, wow, this is this is a lot more tragic than I had realized. Like she actually died. Holy crap. And you know, the scene where like Nami was stabbing herself with the knife, stabbing her tattoo, screaming Arlong, Arlong. Now that was like, whoa, whoa. Now when I saw it out, like the sub and saw this later again in the anime, like a lot of this stuff is even more powerful. And I would say like, the, like Nami's backstory and then like Nami stabbing herself in the tattoo and then the march on Arlong Park. Like that's something that's not in like the manga, like them like marching to Arlong Park. And so like that scene in the anime is like one of my favorites because like that is just such an epic build-up, But yeah. Uh, yeah. Dun, so like, duh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Overtaken's my favorite track in the One Piece anime, I think, uh, just because of that moment. But yeah, so, you know, from then on, I was aware of the manga and I would seek it out and read it more closely. Like I would, I found all the volumes that I could that Riz had released at a time and keep in mind, uh, it wasn't very much for a long time because, you know, at the time I got this, this was like, at the time I got volume nine, that was the newest volume. So I could only read up to then basically and try and like keep up with whenever the new volumes came out from there but you know I was more aware of like what was going on with one piece and that there were changes between uh, the original version and what was airing on TV. So I would also like seek out the sub for a lot of the early stuff and I would watch that and I really enjoyed you know the original version more though I still like kept it uh kept watching it on t v but I would not say that I was like a huge one piece fan until like when uh they started alabasta on Because that was like when the stakes like to me felt like they really exploded because now the straw hats were involved in this huge conspiracy plot with this princess who was really cool, and like so that is what like really got me deeply into one piece and made me like want to binge through more of the show and really like. Follow it closely. Learn as much as I could about it. That's like when I was started, like scouring over the Arlong Park forums and getting to more conversations with people online about it. And so, you know, that's that like time period between like the, uh, well, I guess it was actually around the same time uh, actually all well, this happened because I guess Alabasta, I, like the the broke work start stuff started, I think in October two thousand five, tsunami. Yeah, yeah, because they, they blues through it all, like, with two episodes a week throughout the summer. So, yeah, but, yeah, so that was a, so that was like my, uh, I guess honeymoon period, I, I don't know, with One Piece. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh, and then, you know, I guess just from there, you know, that, that's how I got into One Piece. That was my experience as a One Piece fan. And, like, when the Funimation dub came out, like, I remember, like, every, I remember, like, the period of uncertainty when, like, you know, we learned Four Kids had dropped the license and no one like knew like who was gonna pick it up, if if it was gonna be picked up, and I remember all the relief everyone felt when they heard that Funimation was gonna do it, and I was like, Yeah, thank you, Funimation and I was excited because you know, Dragon I love Dragon Ball and I love those actors and uh so I was like really excited about watching that when that came out on Tanami, the Funimation dub and uh for the longest time I could not I I always imagine Piccolo saying Zoro's lines cuz you know it is Chris Bat but like for some reason I always like thought I always when I when I think of Chris Bat I always think of like him saying the black star Dragon Balls for some reason because in like episode 40 of Dragon Ball GT he just pronounces it in a weird way so that's just <laughs> a funny little thing but uh yeah so you know, I was really disappointed when they, uh, abruptly took it off to Nami in like the March of 2008 and stuff. But yeah. in the July of that year, that's when they put out the first, uh, DVD set of it. And I, uh, picked that up. I loved it and I enjoyed keeping up with the dub. And, uh, around the same time also, they, Funimation started simulcasting the series. Like in, uh, 2009, they started doing that. So from there on, I just like caught up to One Piece and the, over the next, uh, couple, years, started reading it weekly, and that's basically like how I like solidified myself as a One Piece fan. And uh, now I'll just turn it over to you, Colton, because I could go all day on One Piece memories, but we'll say that for
0: later. <laughs> um, yeah, so, man, yeah, I definitely have a history as well. So, if I remember correctly, um, I think I actually first got into One Piece around, I want to say... I want to say around 2004, I think. Cause, um, cause, cause I remember catching it one morning on Fox when it was still airing there. So I, I caught it before it, uh, started airing on Toonami, I think. Um, and I think around that time, I remember what episode it was. It was actually in the middle of Drum Island. And, uh, it was right after, um, it was right after the avalanche happened. So I, I started watching it from there. And basically from there, I'm kind of jumping ahead. I know we'll probably discuss this later, but uh, I think that's part of the reason why uh, Drum Island is probably my favorite arc in the entirety of the series is because that's where I started watching One Piece. And I think that that was that was the point where I was like, where, as I kept watching, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting and really cartoony and kind of like em- emotionally resonant with me. And I just I kept watching it from there. And you know, eventually I would catch reruns on um, on Cartoon Network. I remember specifically Magoozy at the time was doing like uh, reruns of it uh, yeah. in syndication. I think at the time, uh, like five episodes a week or something.
1: Yeah, they basically rebroadcast everything that was on Tanami, but just they didn't call it Tanami. <laughs> yeah, Magoozy was a fun time. Um,
0: Have <laughs> very <laughs> fond, very fond memories of that block, but. uh, yeah, that, that's basically how I watched most of the four kids dub. So the four kids dub definitely has a soft spot uh, in my heart. Um, <laughs> I, I love to quote it whenever I can. Uh, it's, it's yeah,
1: great. I can I can sing the entire rap from memory.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. I I actually own a bit of um I own a bit of the Arlong Park uh four kids dub on DVD <laughs> somewhere. I just have to find it. I, my my parents. It was one of those things my parents bought me for my birthday where it's like. Oh, my kid likes anime, I guess. He likes this thing called One Piece. I- is this it, son? And I'm like, close enough. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Eventually, Funimation has to make like a <laughs> walk the One Piece set, you know? <laughs> like how they did for uh, the, the original Saban dub of Dragon Ball Z. They, they gotta do One a piece, four y- 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 One Piece, yeah, yo, yeah, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the yo-ho-ho, take a bite of gum, gum edition.
0: I, I'm not gonna lie, I'd buy it. Um, I would probably actually spend probably, <laughs> I don't know how much it, I'd, I would probably spend $100 on that shamelessly, actually. I would buy that, but <laughs> that's, and I kind of want them to do that, but yeah, so I guess from there, um, I'm trying to remember, cause I, for like the next year or two, I would watch it, obviously, exclusively through the Four Kids dub. And, uh, and then that's when I started making trips to my local borders. When that was still in business, I I actually had one about I want to say like a twenty minute walk away from where I lived at the time. So I'd always I would always walk up the borders and just take a look at whatever manga they had because I was I was just starting to get into like comics in general at the time. You know, buying like you know uh, Garfield collections and stuff because I was really into newspaper comics at the time. And that's when I first started noticing oh One Piece is a book I didn't know that and I would start flipping through it. I flipped through some of the volumes until eventually I was like, you know, what? I wanna, I wanna buy the first volume, and then I did. And um, eventually, I, I think I gave it away to to a friend of mine who wanted to get into it. So unfortunately, I still, don't, I don't have that first volume on me anymore. I eventually got a new printing of it, but um, I kind of wish I kept it because man, I I read through that first volume quite a lot. It was pretty used, like uh, the papers, all the paper was all yellow. Uh, the binding, while well, it was still like. You know, pages weren't falling out or anything. Like it was you could tell the spine was worn, because I would just I would read that first volume a lot back in the day. Um of that along with um uh, because I think at the time I caught up to the Viz releases, um the Viz release was in the middle of Little Garden. So mm-hmm. the, I forget which volume it was. I want to say volume fourteen, thirteen, somewhere around there. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna say fourteen. Uh four volume fourteen which was basically like the middle of Little Garden. I would just read constantly because of Viz's release schedule at the time. I think it was like a volume every three months or something, something like that. Um, I would just constantly read through that volume until until uh, the next one came out. So, um, you know, luckily I, I would, you know, m- manga was a little at least Viz manga was a little cheaper back then. Like it was like seven ninety five a volume or something. So I was able to, even as like a middle schooler at the time, I was like in 6th, 7th grade, I would uh, I would still be able to afford, uh, you know, the, the latest One Piece releases at the time. And I would buy them whenever they came out. I'm trying to think where it went from there. I That was also around the time I just started getting into Shonen Jump in general. So I would also buy, you know, the newest uh, issues of uh, Viz's monthly print Shonen Jump, which uh, I think around the time I started buying those, uh, the Viz run, I think, um, was, uh, when I started buying them, they were like, I, I want to say at the point in Arlong Park where Luffy was fighting Arlong. And, uh, so I, I would also, I guess before I bought the volumes, I would keep up with the manga that way. But eventually, like after a couple of months, I, I just started buying volumes and I eventually bought all of whatever was out. God, so imagine my surprise when eventually like you know they started putting out like uh um what was it five volumes a month for like six months up, up until they caught up to like i think the manga was around impel down or marineford at the time yeah yeah so and i remember uh, i remember specifically cuz i used to i used to frequent arlong park forums a lot more back then and i went on this whole big rant about how like how i thought you know, Viz is never going to catch up with One Piece. It's never going to happen. And then, literally, like I think that same day or that same week, some some relatively short time after that, Viz announced their catch up. And so I had egg on my face. Um, I wish I could find that original post.
2: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's funny.
0: Yeah, Viz definitely proved me wrong. Um, I was. I, I think at that point I was like, I think that was when I was at my. I'm not. Sure, I don't know if I want to say my peak in fandom because you know, obviously, I'm. I'm still. I would still consider myself a fan of One Piece, but I think around that point in my life, I was probably the most passionate about it. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think from there, like I, you know, I would always, I would obviously watch the anime because um, you know, around when Funimation picked it up, that's when I started learning to like about all the really. uh really horribly funny uh four kids edits and whatnot and i always thought those were interesting now, obviously at the time i caught up with the anime through fan subs and um i think at the time i'm trying to remember where the anime was at i'm pretty sure the anime had just gotten out of neos lobby and was just uh starting further bark so with, with the series at that point at the time i think it took me like six months to catch up to the anime uh to that mm. point and so I had the pleasure of watching Thriller Bark week to week, which I know a lot of people, uh, you know, would probably say, oh, well, Thriller Bark's too slow week to week in the anime, which uh, I I don't know if, like, I just wasn't aware of, like, the anime's pacing at the time or something, but, like, I had no problem watching uh, Thriller Bark week to week just because, like, I don't know. I just wasn't aware of that kind of thing back
2: then. That was a point where I did jump to the manga for, for the first time. Like, I finished, you know, Anes which just blew my... Uh, do we swear on here?
0: Yeah, we can do that. You can if you want. It's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's lobby, which, you know, blew my fucking balls off. Uh, <laughs> and then we're transitioning into Thriller Bark. And I remember having this, like, distinct thought, thought like, oh, my God, is is has One Piece peaked? Like, is the best <laughs> of it behind me? And then I just caught up with the manga of Thriller Bark, and it blew my fucking balls off. Um, <laughs> so.
0: No, there, I remember there was specifically a point where my best friend at the time, because uh, he and I were both in the One Piece, we both watched the Four Kids stuff on TV, and, you know, I would talk to him about you know Alabasta at the time, and be like, oh, hey, dude, did you see the newest episode or whatever? Like, oh, I can't believe a Luffy lost a crocodile. And my friend just kind of looks at me and goes like, it kind of looks at me like, <laughs> oh, you don't even know where I'm at. Cause, cause at that Because oh, at that point, I'm pretty sure the anime as far as uh, Japan was concerned, was, like, right in the middle of Anya's Lobby, because he would tell me, like, oh, yeah, because he asked me, like, oh, hey, did you see the newest episode? And I'm like, yeah, I saw the newest episode on TV, I'm like, no, 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 online, you know, Luffy's fighting this giant cheetah guy named Luchi, and I'm like, what?
2: <laughs> that <was laughs> that so... sounds fake.
0: <laughs> I was yeah, I was, I was so confused, like, what are you talking about? And then that's how I, I basically started getting into watching fan subs at that point, and, like, that was a point in my in my anime fandom where it's like, oh, you can actually watch ahead of where tsunami is. That's that's amazing. <laughs> like
1: that was an amazing concept to me at the time. Like, <laughs> was, how, how, how do you even do that? <laughs> that
2: was Naruto for me. Um.
1: Uh, yeah, that, for me that was Pokemon, and the, so that was even earlier, like in elementary school. Like I talked with uh, randomly, like one day, uh, talking, my friends were talking to me, "Hey, did you see the newest Pokemon?" I was like, "Yeah, it was, uh, it was cool." And but Mace Torchic uh, is is cool, and they were like, "No, Mace Torchic has become a Pekubaskin in the latest episode." I'm like, "What? That didn't happen." And they're like, "Uh huh, it happened. Look online." I was like, "Oh man." Man. so that 's how I got into watching fan subs uh, as early as elementary school is because I learned that the Pokemon the TV was like a year behind of where it was in Japan
0: yeah N- Naruto was also one of those things at the time where I was like, oh, I can watch this ahead of tsunami because I remember specifically watching the episode where um, where I think Naruto was just coming back from uh, from getting Tsunade the to- be the Hokage or whatever, and it was mm-hmm. specifically the uh, like the hot springs episode. Essentially, um, I remember watching that ahead of Tanami's run. I was like, "Oh, this is neat. I'm going to do this forever now." Um, but yeah, like like I, just going back to One Piece, I I caught up with the anime in about six months up to the beginning of Thriller Bark, and that's when I started watching Weekly. As far as the manga goes, I uh, I pretty much watched all the Thriller Bark as it aired, and then sometime after that. I uh, I started reading the manga, because around, uh, around the time of the manga, my friend had kept uh, telling me, like, oh, uh, Luffy and, and, and the crew ran into this, like, masked guy named Duval, like, I wonder who he is, and I remember kind of being a part of that conversation, speculation, like, oh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be, like, uh, I-, I thought at one point, or it could be, like, Don Krieg or, or Kuro, or whatever, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool for somebody <laughs> from East Blue, and... And obviously that reveal came and I was like, oh I totally didn't expect that. So I think that was that was basically the point that convinced me, okay, I gotta start reading this. And then I it's weird. I read a couple of chapters and then I just kinda fell off of it because I was probably just uh just distracted by other things at the time. And then I actually, like, for real, started reading the manga around the time the Straw Hats separated at uh Shibati Archipelago. Which was uh, one hell of a time for me to start uh reading weekly. <laughs> because it's like oh man what's going on like i all, all like i guess i guess all the straw hats are done like i guess the series is going to end soon or something i don't know <laughs>
2: <laughs> i remember having the that distinct worry that luffy was going to have to give up on the other guys and start a whole new crew
1: <laughs> i mean yeah i mean he the series went for 2 whole years with the crew separated so it was like i remember everyone was like losing their patience or like getting where like when is when are the rest of the straw hats gonna come back are they gonna be in the war what's happening so it was like it was really uncertain times for like the future of the straw hat pirate crew and then like but that just fueled like the intensity that was going on in marine ford because like like having been separated from this crew like luffy could only like really like Go and rescue the person that was right there in front of him, which was his brother and stuff. So like, you really felt like the emotional tension in that arc there, and which I think that's why it's just part of why it's so heartbreaking. Uh, what happens? But uh, yeah, pretty much from there, I um, I read the manga
0: weekly, and I have a lot of great memories of just me being in high school and pretty much just dick it around in like my free study period or whatever. I would I would be watching the anime whenever it was out. Uh, I'd read the, the newest chapters as they were online. Or whatnot, and reading all of Marine Ford um, week week to week while I was still uh, again while I was still in high school, and those those were some really fun times. I I would always have friends like look over my shoulder like, hey, what are you watching? And I'd be like, oh, it's that One Piece thing. And I did make a few friends in high school because of that because they happened to be in the One Piece too. And you know, those were those were some pretty fun times. Uh, so yeah. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I, I I had another memory I wanted to share, but now I, now I can't think of it. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Um, that, that's that's pretty much my history with One Piece, though. Just a lot of great memories. Just as a teenager, just keeping up with certain parts of the series week to week.
1: So we all started like around the same couple uh, years from each other, and we all also started keeping up with the manga weekly around the same like basic period uh, during like when the whole like white Whitebeard War saga was in full swing. Yeah. Yeah, so like we've all been with One Piece for over ten years now, like, basically.
0: I've I've so been, it's,
1: just just to put it in perspective,
0: I've been I've been a fan of One Piece for as long as I've been a fan of manga in general. So
1: Yeah, same for me. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's. I mean, for me, it's also like over half my life, basically, because yeah, uh, I got into it when I was nine, and I'm 21 now. So, I think I was um, how old was I? I want
0: to say I was around like probably 12 or 13.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. It was uh, 2007 when Funimation took over, which is when I got really into it. So that was going. It's going to be a decade in like I think November, September. Mm. I can't remember which one. It started in October. Uh, the Funimation dub.
1: Yeah, I think it did.
2: So I missed on both sides.
1: <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> watching
0: that first episode of the Funimation dub and just just being like totally encaptured by like the the opening at the time. Hikari opening three. Yeah, that
1: was a good cover by Mick McNanya.
0: That that became my favorite One Piece opening for a long time. Because yeah, whenever I listen to that opening, I'm just hit with this wave of nostalgia. Of that first time I, I was at home and I caught that first Funimation episode. Yeah.
1: I mean, that was a really special time because, like, One Piece was the biggest draw for Tanami basically, at the time. Uh, for me, because... I mean I guess the Sasuke retrieval arc was going on in Arto, so that was also okay but like One Piece like what was happening in One Piece even though at the time it wasn't like as grand as like what was happening with the Sasuke retrieval arc like it was just more interesting to me in the terms of the adventure was setting up and it felt so much, so fresh and exciting because it was the Funimation dub and it was going to legitimize One Piece again and and make it more popular and everyone was excited and uh, it didn't really pan out cuz Cartoon Network side uh, they, they hated anime but
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember what I wanted to say so I also remember very vividly like um, around 2009 when Funimation started simulcasting the anime and how big of a deal that was um,
1: yeah I also remember the uh, like the controversy when episode 403 leaked early and that caused uh, a lot of problems but yeah I was so yeah those were also uncertain times but luckily that got uh, rectified and we're are where we are now.
0: Well, I was going to say this all—it's a that was a very interesting time for me because that was around the time when I started really learning about like why you know fans really shouldn't like fully support like you know fan subs and I was mm-hmm. I, basically I was learning about piracy at that point because um, I remember CNN did this whole story about animation in Japan and actually did some kind of like spotlight report about uh, just Japanese animation in general and like what what animators uh what basically what their working conditions were like in Japan and i i remember them focusing on stuff like Dragon Ball and, and One Piece and and uh spotlighting those series um when they were doing that story and i remember just seeing you know the kind of working conditions some of these animators had to go through and i was, I was just thinking like wow that's terrible and i think that's what scared me into basically trying to support the things i love legally so from then on, I would basically try and watch the uh, uh, the simulcast whenever I could. Which at the time, the Funimation's player just—I had a whole bunch of problems with them back in the day. Like it's only like just recently that I feel like um, uh, that their video player, I feel like, has really gotten uh, to the point where like I don't really have any problems with it anymore. Like I, because I remember when the simulcast was first starting, like there were a lot of bugs. Like I would have to like. Yeah. I'd have to, like, wait for the video to load, and it would, like, stop in the middle, and I had to, like, start all over, and it's, like, just, uh, so much, (laughs) so much heartache just to watch, like, one episode back in the day, which, thankfully, it's not as bad, you know, nowadays. It's really easy now. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously, around that time is also when I started getting into the One Piece podcast, too, um, Sam, Uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, like. You know, and I I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier in the show, like the One Piece podcast was the first podcast I ever listened to, I ever started listening to. So, so basically throughout my entire like high school career, if you want to call it that, uh, I would just, I I just have so many memories of like keeping up with One Piece weekly through both the anime and the manga and listening to the One Piece podcast guys every week. Uh, That was, that was basically the highlight of my week back in the day. And I still look forward to listening to them every, every Monday.
1: How about now we kind of talk about, like, how we used to express our fandom and now how we do it now. And then what I mean by that is kind of, like, when we were into One Piece, like, how did we kind of show it? Like, did we uh make anything fan art or cosplay or like wh- what like draw like how- we all got super into it so how did like we communicate it and for me it was like i really wanted to get people into one piece like cuz i felt like it just did was not as recognized and wasn't the kind of attention deserved so whenever i could i would try and recommend and show one piece to people and you know it it didn't always get people interested in them but like one moment Uh, that I, that I was actually really successful in doing was, believe it or not, during my, uh, sixth grade intro to business course where we had to give a power presentation on any topic of our choosing. And I chose to do mine on One Piece. And of course, you know, uh, I, I gathered up clips and pictures. I remember on the character sheet, uh, alongside all the straw hats, I included Buggy. Just because I loved Buggy so much, I wanted to (laughs) talk about him. So uh, I included, I made this super nerdy presentation. But like, I guess I described it so passionately enough that I actually did get people who came up to me later and they were like, Hey, uh, I I watched that One Piece show. It was pretty cool. I got that latest DVD set that had Chopper in it that you recommended. And I was like, wow, I did it. (laughs) Awesome. So that was pretty cool for me uh, that I was actually able to you know get people into One Piece.
2: I actually did have a kind of similar experience where I've I've given presentations on it in class and someone would come up like after class and be like dude that was amazing what you said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly yeah. I, I did the same thing too like I remember <laughs> a, in in English class I think in my freshman year I did a presentation on One Piece. I specifically focused on uh, Luffy versus Usopp and uh mm, yeah. kind of kind of what was going on around because at the time that was like probably some I mean it's still some of my favorite portions of the series but at the time I was so I was so in love with that portion of Water 7 that like I did a presentation about that particular fight and uh, part of the story in class and back when I ran anime club at high school too that those were the those were the episodes of the anime that I showed everybody and you know everybody caught everybody's interest I don't know if uh I don't know if they really went on to watch One Piece after that, but, you know, they were still pretty interested in what they saw. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. It's actually, you know, more serious than I thought. And and even, like, a couple years later into, like, my, um, I want to say my senior year, I even did, like, an entire, like, essay on on One Piece and its popularity and, like, you know, about the series and what it means to me and whatnot. I think it was, like, a 10-page essay. Outside of that, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but... But yeah, I, I got some pretty high marks for that, actually. I think I got like a B-plus on that essay. Um, did pretty good. But um, yeah, so I, I incorporated it in a lot of um, some of my school projects whenever I could. And, and at the time, actually, was when I, uh, I was also really big into YouTube, too. So there was just a summer where I would do nothing but make videos using Windows Movie Maker on my, on my old uh, desktop computer so i would make one piece amvs i don't think any of them are online now i still have a collection of them on my hard drive um and i and i would take like audio from other things and like place it on uh place it in one piece clips and stuff that kind of thing and those were those were really fun times for me i even and thank god none of these are online anymore but uh there was a time in my life where i did try to dabble in fan dubs so that was pretty
2: fun <laughs> i was hoping that's what you were you were going to say <laughs>
0: Uh, so I don't know if I have any of those anymore, and like I said, I know those aren't, aren't up online or anything. But yeah, those those were those were fun times when when I thought I you know when I thought I was funny because you know I would just reference other anime and stuff, you know, because <laughs> cause, you know that that's that was the funny thing to do. Um, but um, you know, outside of that, I think I like I said I was I was on Arlon Park forums a lot at the time. I'm not on there as much anymore, but I remember being on there discussing a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things and whatnot, and um, there was also one year during Halloween where I actually, uh, I actually tried to, uh, where I dressed up as Sanji, uh, so that that was fun, I even, uh, I I was, I tried to stay in character and do like the, the like the shitty four kids accent, and like, you know, no, nobody knew what the hell I was, what I was going for, so everybody actually thought I was like, dressed up as some kind of weird, <laughs> like, Uh, A weird uh, amalgamation of like Rocky and I don't know. It was it was weird. No, I I felt so embarrassed because nobody knew what I was going for. So, blonde Rocky, yeah, blonde Rocky.
1: Did you have a cigarette or a lollipop? I had a lollipop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and the, the worst part about that night is I remember it was Halloween, so we were I was trick or treating with my family, and I remember passing by like this group of kids from school who knew me. So they somehow recognized me through my costume. So that that was really fun, and uh, they they were all like, "Oh, is that is that Colton? What, what was he dressed as?" And I'm just like trying to look away from them. I hope they don't notice me. I hope they don't notice me. So that kind of backfired on me, but it was it was still pretty fun though.
1: I also, I never made an AMV, I guess, it, to be technical, but, like, back when Toonami first came back in uh, 2012, 2013, like, I got into making, like, Tanami style promos and music videos, so I made one for One Piece, and this was, like, way back before uh, they announced that One Piece was returning to Toonami, and, like, I used clips from uh, Baroque Works and uh, Alabasta, uh... And, uh, Skypea. And, uh, it, it was like a minute and a half long. It's still up on YouTube. You can, like, search for it. It's under my Lam Ramyasha channel name. But, uh, so yeah, I made that. And then, of course, I always drew some art back when I was younger. Not as much as I did for Dragon Ball, but I would, like, draw fan art and stuff. And I guess, like, the only other, like, big creative thing that I guess I meant, I would mention was that uh, back in 2014, my, me and some friends over at Animation Revelation, uh, did a top 30 greatest story arcs in anime and manga list. And, uh, we put Eni's Lobby from One Piece on there. We did actually combine Water 7 and Eni's Lobby. And then I wrote, uh, the, I wrote the write-up for the Water 7 half, because I was more passionate about that half. And my, f- uh, other uh, friend, Dr. Insatsu Ken, uh, he wrote the half for Eni's Lobby. So, those are like the other big things I wanted to mention. Uh, and I guess, I guess a tangentially related memory is, uh, the only, I don't have that much One Piece merchandise outside of the DVDs, uh, excluding, uh, two like, uh, pit, pins, uh, I guess, what do you call them? Like, you, you tie, uh, they're like little, uh, uh, things you can tie onto your, uh, bags or whatever I forget but you technically call them brain fart but like I got I, I won those in a uh t- t- contest on ta- com for like uh, making a tanami music video and so I got Ooh. like second place so they sent over uh Mr. Tube on clay and crocodile like pins to me and I was like yeah because I, I love those characters a lot so uh those are just like some one piece related uh projects memories
0: Speaking of figures, yeah, I, I've I've definitely collected my share of like not not necessarily POPS, but like you know, I I do have a lot of like you know, uh, random box kind of figures uh, like that I've collected over the years. Like as I've gone to like local conventions, like I have a I have like I have a tiny Blackbeard, a tiny Gar, a tiny Kizaru, and I even have some of those uh, little bobble ships. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like ships from. uh from, from different crews in the series like I have the Thousand Sunny and I think I have the Big Top too which is a buggy ship which I was disappointed because when I bought those I couldn't tell like what the box was trying to represent because I, I somehow thought that like the little motion lines on the box art that was trying to represent like oh like the ship like the bobbles on this little stand thing I thought it like played music for some reason so that's why <laughs> I bought it but then I, I opened it at first I was like oh it just it's just bobbles that's lame but i was like oh but I, I still i still own the thousand sunny in some in some capacity so i was happy
1: sam did you do did you do any other creative projects for one piece
2: oh yeah i've made my fair share of uh amvs they can still be found on my my lucky chainsaw youtube they're really good for, for the record um awesome. uh, i definitely wrote essays for one piece podcast i you know nowadays i probably don't Shove one piece down other people's throats as much as I used to. I just sort of let my own enthusiasm come naturally and just hope it's infectious. Yeah, me
0: too. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, and obviously some fan art from forever ago. As 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 far back as the beginning, there was fan fan art. So
1: yeah, I always love drawing villains. Like I, I was, I really like Buggy. I really like Mister Two Bon Clay uh, and Crocodile. So I would always draw the villains. Like that was kind of like. With Dragon Ball too, I would always draw Majin Buu himself, so. and Cell, so I don't know, I guess I was always fascinated with uh Oda's like villains and villains caricature designs. But, you know, on the subject of also AMVs, like what are some of your guys' favorite AMVs besides the ones you've made? Because oh, for man. me there's this one called This Is One Piece, which is like by far one of my favorite AMVs right. of all time. And I uh, I forget the song it's set to, but I remember seeing that and like it really gave me, like, a, a huge emotional swell because, I mean, it heavily used clips from, like, all over. And uh, I don't know, like, what the original channel name for it was, but looking up right now, it, uh, at Best AMVs of All Time 2 is where I'm seeing it. And, like, the thumbnail is, uh, like, when Luffy stands up after, like, uh, you know, being after Luchi thinks he's taken him down he's about to, you know, use, like, a uh, go on his final, like, assault on Luchi, and, you know, the way it begins with, like, the guitar strings and stuff, and, like, the words that flash by in the screen, like, adventure, enemies, Nakama, pirates, and, you know, it's just so good. Uh Okay, so the song was Prayer of the Refugee by Rise. Yeah, so, that that's my favorite, like, One Piece a and I, I watch that, like, every now and again, and it's, like, it still fills me up with, like, a bunch of emotion. Like this 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 AMV like kind of like makes me think back about like my early days of getting into One Piece and it's like yeah, it's like really makes me remember like the emotions I used to feel like when I was first getting into it and like how excited I was for everything new that I was discovering about the series.
0: I I, I do remember watching a lot of One Piece AMVs back in the day, but the the one that's always stuck out to me for some reason, not not particularly because like I'm sure if I looked back on it, it probably isn't like edited particularly well, but uh I don't know. Uh the, the one that really stuck out to me, and I don't even know if it's on YouTube anymore. The last time I tried finding it, I couldn't find it, but uh I remember finding an AMV about Mr. Three in Little Garden. Um <laughs> play, played to the song by Panic at the disco. Uh the only difference between martyrdom and suicide is press coverage. Which uh, I don't know why that one sticks out in my mind. It's probably because I just I just like that song, e- even though I I I don't really listen to a lot of other Panic at the Disco songs. That was just this that that was definitely a song I I downloaded and put it on my MP3 player at the time because it's like oh it's from this One Piece AMV and it makes me think of One Piece even though it really doesn't have much to do with One Piece at all. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just I just remember specifically that AMV because so I remember watching it a lot when I was like in middle school. Had very interesting taste in music back in the day.
2: I was also a big fan of uh, D Nubs' pros. One piece six minutes. <laughs> D Nubs is a friend of mine now, but like I used to I, before I knew him, uh, I loved his uh, video. And uh, there was one user I don't think he ever had like a YouTube channel. I think people just like uploaded his from wherever he was putting them up. But like someone who went by uh, Gia Secondo did just like these like it, they basically just the fights the big fights of the series set to like uh heavy metal songs i was into I was i was very, very into uh the uh everybody versus oars set to the cage by sonata artica mm-hmm. it was a cool one that i remember as a kid
1: yeah there are a lot of great one piece amvs out there that are like we seeking out i probably will link the ones you have talked about in the descri- episode description
0: I was gonna say good good luck good luck finding any of the ones I mentioned because probably none probably none of them are up anymore.
1: <laughs> I'll I'll see if I can uh, dig around on the interwebs. Maybe someone's archived them somewhere. But yeah, there was there are a lot of like cool things that people have done in the fandom, like cool thing cool pieces of art, cool AMVs. Uh, that's what I really love about the One Piece fandom is that it is so passionate and creative. I mean, uh, One Piece just kind of has this
0: sense of creativity that I don't think uh, can be uh, really captured by too many other things.
1: And I think, like, the man himself, the man behind it all, Echiroda, is, like, one of the most creative and, like, awesome mangaka out there. (laughs) He works himself to death, but, like, his worlds, his imagination, it's boundless. It's, like, insanity. I love him. Uh, So I wanted to kind of talk about, like, when we first kind of learned about Aichiro Oda and like, you know, started to look more into the man behind One Piece and what our opinion of Oda himself is as a mangaka.
0: I want to, I want to hear from Sam on this
2: first, actually. Uh, I think he's a genius and I wish I had his skills. Uh, particularly, well, no, cause like, it's, it's not, it's less the drawing that really attracts me to him and more the, the writing, honestly. Um. Just the way that uh like the the amount of like just emotional spark that his the what the kind of rhythm and flow of his stories has, you think it would be super easy to kinda kinda lose that in the process of of doing it week to week and having to build to those moments, but uh some of the stuff uh that gets pulled off is like honestly jaw dropping. Like people should be like learning from him, I think, is, is yeah how I feel. Um
0: like I I've I've dabbled in like, you know, writing here and there before and never really like fully pursued it and always thought about the idea of creating my own world and then you know I've one time years and years ago I I've, I've, I've tried to do that kind of thing and even like even back then I couldn't fathom like you know like I was I was in such awe of like Oda and his skill because it's like it's it's hard to create a world that feels as fleshed out as his does like mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's it's just it's kind of hard for me to even put into words. Just like, how like how amazingly difficult that has to be. Like, not anyone can, not just anyone can do that to do what he does.
1: Yeah, Oda is definitely a huge inspiration to me as an artist and writer. And you know, the way that he can like weave such a grand scale narrative, and you know, bring back plot elements from like the very early days and. Bring them up again in like the in a modern context with like a in a whole new light and just make it everything in the story feel so cohesive and so planned up, and so well planned out and just uh, especially seamless. knowing
2: that some of it is not actually well planned out. Some of it he is making up as he goes.
1: I mean, Toriyama he made things up as he went, and you know he did a pretty good job considering. Uh you know, making things seem like uh oh this 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 makes sense. he really uh salvaged things here, but like he's in compar- oda is just like so much his writing is so much deeper and just so much more like well tuned it's just like the he he has like great knack for keeping in mind like the what's going on in his world and all his characters and like what things what things he wants to explore further and then you know even if he changes direction later on and decides to expand on things he knows how to do it in a way that doesn't feel like it's out of place or like he's just abruptly change something he knows how to make it feel come across as really natural and it's just such really skillful storytelling
0: I was gonna say like among among just jump authors in particular I would consider Akira Toriyama and uh, Hideaki Surachi the author of Gintama I would consider both of them to be master bullshitters (laughs) (laughs) honestly almost especially in Toriyama's case with how he's able to You know, write himself out of corners a a lot of times within the span of Dragon Ball and whatnot. But
2: I I I think I think the way Dragon Ball works is that there aren't any corners for him to really write himself into. Like the stories are usually like it's usually just one thing at a time. So like when something so like when when he moves on to something else, it's not you're not feeling like there's a million plot threads being left open.
1: Yeah. I mean Toriyama just forgets about what he, anything that he's uh previously said or done in his story, so he just keeps focusing on what's happening right now. And it's not, he never like really sets up anything for like a grander like payoff. It's all sometimes about it. It feels like it, yeah. Like the Super Saiyan thing, uh Goku being an alien, you know, things like that.
2: I think all of like Vegeta's like three or four character arcs. Are all like actually like properly well thought out? Mm-hmm. I
1: see that. Yeah, Vegeta's character arc is pro is my favorite in Dragon Ball because I think it does flow the most seamlessly and has the most satisfying payoff uh, as you see his journeys through the beginning to the end of Z. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know Oda like is just so, is just really skilled at you know his character arcs and like there's a big criticism of like Oda's writing that his characters don't. Change, which I completely disagree with. I, because, like, uh, there's this great piece on the uh, One Piece podcast site about Luffy's character growth. Uh, like, in you know, it's a little more subtle. Like, there aren't, like, these big dramatic changes, but, like, the characters do learn from their experiences. And they do have their arcs that they're going through. And, uh, like, the most pronounced story arc, uh, character arc in One Piece I of the main cast, I think, is Usopp. And I think that's partially why that it, he's my favorite, aside from other things I really love about Usopp. But, you know, he has, I think, the most satisfying character arc because he does have the most dramatic growth from, like, how he was at the beginning of the series and how he is now. But, like, all the other characters are the same way,
2: well, I feel. Well, to, to make a kind of a counterpoint, like kind of what Oda gets away with there is he will give a character like a big dramatic uh kind of arc and have them change. But then like later you won't feel those changes as dramatically as you would think. Like that was part of the reason why people were so frustrated with, with uh, Usopp in Dressrosa right before he got his observation hockey. So why people were frustrated with uh, how the Sanji stuff is being handled right now. Like, like it feels like they should be changing a lot more than they maybe actually have. Um But, I think with a long serialized story like this, I think expecting the characters to like change at the end of every arc or 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 so is not really what the story is not really the story that's getting told. Like, like I think Mm -hmm. one of the problems with like the the Marvel formula right now is everyone expects like with every adventure the character has to become a different, completely different person at the end of a movie. But like when you're when you've got like a million different movies, that stops feeling all that genuine. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't know. I, I I think these. I think the the concept of a character arc is so directly tied to like how we are used to seeing them in movies in like a pre cinematic universe age, uh, which I don't think works exactly the same in in television or or in like longer form movie franchises.
1: Yeah, I think there's this misconception that. Uh... For a, for a character arc, there has to be like a dramatic change. Like the character needs to become a completely different person.
2: Right. But well, that's like what, that's what like screen that's like what like screenwriting books tell you has to. happen. Yeah, but so. that's
1: not really the that's not the only way to do a character. Arc. That's not even the best way necessarily. Right. Like I exactly. think like the stuff with Sanji right now, like it's not like he's become a completely different person. But I feel like everything that he's been through in the current arc has really, like, developed his character in interesting ways and given us an even better, stronger understanding of him. And it's like, I this is, the current arc is one of my f- favorite arcs in a while because of how character-focused it's been. And that's why I've been enjoying it so much.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, in like you know, on that front, I if anything, I feel like I understand Sanji's character a lot better than I used to but yeah I, I remember years and years ago um when a friend of mine who i'm not friends with anymore cuz he's an asshole but you know he <laughs> he was always very like uh, uh, very opinionated and you know his it was his opinion or no one else's and i remember having constant arguments with him about like you know, his he would say the same thing like oh well one piece is actually not that good cuz Luffy doesn't change as a character he's just the same and i'm like well it's and i would use the same arguments like i think i i remember i i even sent in a question to the one piece podcast guys about this kind of thing like yeah i have this friend who just constantly gives me this uh gives me this like weird argument and i'm like how do i how do i convince him like hey like yeah he like i i, I agree with you guys that yeah luffy's whatever change luffy goes through is is subtle like he's still gonna be the same character we all know and love and i don't personally i don't i don't think there's a problem with that mm-hmm. but i i'm also on i'm also of the opinion and i've talked about this a lot on twitter before is that um is that i feel like um this might be a whole other can of worms but part of my problem with um one piece post time skip is i feel like a lot of the characters i don't expect them to like go through any kind of drastic change per se so much as i feel like I feel like most of the straw hats have been sort of stale in their development.
1: I feel one of my criticisms post time skip is that I feel like Oda was had was not used to writing the characters after 2 years. So like at for like the first couple arcs post time skip, like he just like kind of exaggerated their quirks to like kind of uh just flanderize levels i feel like sanji was the worst victim of this yeah. with him like suffer- <laughs> suffering blood loss from nosebleeds in a uh, fishman island and like yeah so i mean he was even he was even kind of i
0: i would say his the the, the like the downward spiral of his character i would say i would argue even kind of began as far as back as like anyes lobby where yeah. the, 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 the whole thing with him just sticking to his code of not hitting women, you know, I, I thought that was a little infuriating. I
2: don't
1: really have a problem with that. It's like for me, it's like uh, the biggest problem is seen of uh, this is seen during the comedic moments when like Oda is relying on like jokes like Usopp's cowardice or Nami's like obsession with uh, money and stuff, like. During those, a lot of those moments when they're done toast time skip, it feels like Oda's remembering, oh, hey, this is a thing the characters used to do. Uh, I'll just do, uh, I guess I should do them, but it, it doesn't feel appropriate a lot of the time, or it feels a little too exaggerated. It feels like the characters maybe should have grown out of it, or at least not go to this extreme, and how they're you know acting upon these like quirks As- asanji again was like the worst victim of this because it like it ended up becoming a plot point, which was uh, ridiculous, but and all of his stuff on like Kabaka Island and all that yeah that's uh that's a can of worms
0: there that stuff was not held up very well <laughs> uh no <laughs> <laughs> like like I remember like at the time I remember you know I was in high
2: school. You know, you don't have a reason to think about it as much.
0: Yeah, like uh, yeah. It then
2: and then exactly. Uh, yeah, you look back at it now; it's just like it feels like genuinely like nasty and mean spirited.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, there's some there's some great uh, you know queer characters in One Piece, or like a uh, coded queer, like you know even Kava Monclay, but like the Kamabaka Island stuff. You know, the joke is Sanji is running from like these ugly uh, feminine ugly men that are, like, act feminine and stuff, and, you know, that, that definitely feels like a, a step backwards in terms of good representation. Yeah. But, overall, like, we love Oda as a storyteller, you know, he's, his the scale of his story is great, and I, you know, he's, to me, he's always been, like, one of the standard for, like, storytelling in shonen manga. Like, I, he is, like, at the top here and then like for me it's the standard of just like
2: just fantasy epic storytelling across the board like to me like in my mind like stuff like star wars or like lord of the rings like that stuff exists so that one day somebody could figure out how to make one piece yes
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, and Oda is influenced by those kind of things. So right. definitely, you definitely feel the lineage of like what he's been inspired by, and like how he's taken that and developed it into like his own take, his own storytelling style, which is really so unique. And like one piece, it takes influence from you know those. St- from those type of influences and other uh, manga, manga influences, but there isn't anything that quite feels like One Piece, I feel, in terms of how it develops as a story and, like, the tone and the kind of adventure it is.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and just how... Yeah, like, like I just keep going back to, like, Skypiea, which is still just, like, my mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, this is what a fantasy adventure is sort of arc.
1: Yeah, like, Skypea is a great example because... You know a lot of people criticized Skypea because at the time uh you know they didn't really see what the point of it was in the grand scheme or whatever but like
2: it's such a cool adventure Well it feels like filler like even when I was when even when I was watching it for the first time like Skypea was like my first proper arc and I remember mm. even having to look up to make sure it wasn't filler <laughs> cuz Cause, <laughs> cause, cause it was like a cuz well, because we're just before then, we are introduced to, like, all this interesting, like, world government warlord stuff. Yeah. Uh, White beard. Like, all this massively interesting big picture is going on. Luffy's got a new bounty. He just got a new crew member. And then it's like, oh, man, what's next? What's the, what's the next big thing that they're going to do to shock the world? And then they go up to the sky where the world does not see them. <laughs> yeah. But then that's also that's also one thing that Oda's incredible at is he will take you down detours. Like, he'll set... he'll it'll tease you about something you're really excited to hear, you think you're going in that direction, we go in a detour and you have that moment of like, oh, I was really excited to see that other thing. But then that detour takes you down somewhere incredible that you didn't even you didn't even think you were gonna have as much fun as you do.
1: Exactly. There's no wasted uh plot at point or like arc in one piece. Like everything has a purpose in the grand scheme of things. And Skypea is like one of the most important like lower arcs because we get so much like setup and like hints at like what the nature of the old world was, and like you know, uh, Enaru's cover story that like happens after that uh, down the, the line. At the same also time, I, so I, much... part
2: of me also kind of wants Skypia to remain like as much of a standalone as it can. Like, mm-hmm. like, I, like I hesitate at the thought of Eneru coming back just because like like I I like Skypia kind of as its own thing. I like that there exist arcs in One Piece that are kind of their own thing for the most part.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of would like A- Eneru to come back just because I like the character. Yeah. But more than that, I want the Straw Hats to go to the moon. That's
0: good. That's. <laughs> I, I feel like that has to happen at some point. Like it kind of, it kind of happened in Toriko too, and I hope, um, I hope One Piece kind of does the same. Where it's like eventually we're gonna go and do space stuff.
1: You know, speaking of Toroko, I want to briefly talk about Mitsutoshi Shimurukuro's memories of Oda one-shot that he recently did in the last issue of Jump, which was such a uh, heartwarming, like, really great look into, like, you know, uh, his relationship with Oda and also, like, kind of how Oda was when he was starting out as a mangaka and, like, how he really hasn't changed all that much uh, as he's you know, been over the past 20 years. And, you know, it's, like, a great insight into, like, you know, how Oda started up his career and then, like, you know, how far he's come. And it's just really cool to see it through the eyes of, like, basically his best friend, Shimarukuro. It, it was amazing, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it, Sam?
2: I thought it was cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's not really much I can... I feel like we can add to that. It's just, yeah, it was it was great to see um, see some more insight into the actual relationship between Shima Bukuro and Oda, because you know I, I had been aware uh, for a while that you know the two of them were pretty tight in some capacity. You know, they had a, a had a somewhat strong uh, friendship or whatnot, but it was really nice to get a real like personal look at just how they interact with each other. You know, from from the beginning, all the way up to, you know, their various successes in the manga industry. And it's just it's so, it's so nice to see that they're just able to like, talk about the things they love, no matter how successful they become, that they're still the same people that they were back when they first started. And something about that really touches me.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a little worrying when uh, o- Oda's like talking to Shimuruko uh, when you cut down your sleeping at two hours it keeps your mind sharp and Nochi is like, no, that's the opposite of the words. What are you doing? I related to that so uh.
0: hard because my-, my best friend kind of sort of, not the exact mentality, but has the sort of meta- mentality where it's like, you know, sometimes I question her schedule with things well with her life and everything. And I'm like, how do you, like, when, when do you find the time to sleep? And she'll be like, Oh, well, I don't sleep because like what like like if I sleep, I feel like i i like I would rather get more stuff done than sleep, and I'm like that you you eventually need to sleep
1: <laughs> yeah uh i uh I tried going on two hours of sleep uh for a few days once, and I almost god died, so oh no <laughs> don't don't recommend it, yeah, stop doing that, Sid, yeah. <laughs>
0: I can't even function on anything less than, like, six hours of sleep, let alone two hours, honestly.
1: Yeah. I mean, Oda is really working himself very hard. I think that's why it's a good thing that he, like, takes breaks pretty frequently now. At least one week breaks, you know. he uh, They kind of got into a groove where he does, like, you know, s- three chapters a month and then, uh, you know, takes a week off. Which I think, you know, is very healthy and a... Uh, I, there are a lot of other mangaka that probably could benefit from that schedule. I mean, we've seen like this year, like a lot of mangaka uh, from you know have taken like sudden breaks just because you know the burden of doing like a weekly manga is just really difficult.
0: Yeah, the, like that's something I feel like we report on on Manga Mavericks like almost ev- like every other episode. I feel like yeah. we have at least one story where it's like. Oh, the author of such and such series has to take a break for like a week. Or, oh, hey, uh, they have to take a break for like indefinitely, kind of like with, um, uh, Ashihara, uh, with, uh, World Trigger and whatnot. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's all like, especially in cases like that, it's always really, I, I always feel incredibly terrible when we have, when we have to like, you know, talk about that kind of thing. Cause it is kind of like, it is discouraging to hear that kind of thing sometimes.
1: Yeah. But uh, Oda's had his share of health problems in the last couple of years. But, you know, it seems like he's still, like, very chipper and, like, very excited about work in the series. So he doesn't have to, you know, hopefully he won't (laughs) end up, like, Tagashi, complaining about his back problems and uh, being physically (laughs) in pain all the time. Uh, But,
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: But like I ext- admire Oda just so much. Like he is definitely one of my biggest heroes, and has been for like over ten years. You can't. You can't say the guy doesn't work hard. Oh no, you can. You just look at at any given chapter of one piece, and even nowadays when I mean, you can see sometimes that like uh, there's some scribbly moments. But you know, you, just the level of detail and every chapter of one piece it's it's mind-blowing it's just there it's not there's like no weekly shonen manga that looks as that has as much like detail as many things going on in a week per week as one piece does artistically i i think i can agree with that yeah
2: yep that's how i feel uh it thorough is the word I would use. Uh, just, yes, like even when he's getting scribbly, just like the amount of lines you have to draw for your average Oda design mm-hmm. uh, is is pretty is pretty uh, time consuming, and and the fact that all of his characters are are drawn specifically to to look kind of like weirdly three dimensional. Like I've just been looking at Big Mom every week, and it's just like man, like, <laughs> like you, there's a lot of little things you have to do just to make sure that. Like, she keeps that very specific, like, look and shape to her.
1: Yeah. Like, Otis' designs can look deceptively simple, but they are actually, like, they really require, like, the masterclass level of talent as an artist that he has to, like, make them feel so believable and three-dimensional. It really is just astonishing. Oh, yeah. But... We have a lot of love for Oda. We have a lot of love for One Piece, but I just kind of wanted to talk about now how our opinions of One Piece like as a whole might have changed over the years from when we were first getting into it to how we are now as fans. And I want to act, ask that of you guys because I know for both of you, uh, One Piece is probably up there as like one of your favorite manga. I know, Colton, that it is, it is your favorite.
0: It is. So, yeah, I, I, get this, I get this question asked me all the time because, you know, I would say personally, I'm a bigger fan of Gintama than I am of One Piece. Um, but, you know, as much as I love One Piece, I think it's just because Gintama resonates with me just so much more personally now that I've, you know, grown a little older. Like, I, I have this thing where I feel like I'm, I'm glad I got into One Piece when I did. Cause One Piece is obviously, um, you know, some, sometimes I, you know, and, and I and I understand why because you know, a, like the thing with One Piece is that One Piece, you know, it's very shonen and it it's a it's very good at being shonen, but there are every once in a while, sometimes I think that, you know, like compared to other shonen manga, uh, you know, like Gintama, where it's like you know they're not afraid to kind of step outside their demo for a little bit and not afraid to delve into slightly more mature writing. And again, this is not a knock against One Piece. This is just, these are just my observations as a manga fan and a Jump fan for over 10 years at this point. Um, Read a lot of Jump manga, but um, I don't know. Like, I don't really know how to exactly work my thoughts here. Like, I'm glad I got into One Piece when I did, because I think One Piece is, is a great thing to grow up with and is a great thing to get into when you are, you know, of the age where Jump is technically targeting its audience at. You know, whereas uh, Gintama, I'm glad I got into, like, I got into Gintama as I was, uh, you know, a- as I was on my way out of high school, as I was sort of becoming an adult. And, uh, you know, uh, Gintama, I would consider a very good, like, sort of adult shonen where it's like, it is a shonen manga, and that is what it is at its heart. But it's also not afraid to delve into a lot of very mature ideas that I really don't think you see in a lot of shonen manga, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, that's why I love it so much is because it's kind of, it is, it kind of is its own thing, but, um, I'm trying to remember where exactly I was going with this. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I get asked all the time, like, oh, well, you know, Gintama is your favorite anime. How come it's not your favorite manga? Well, you know, personally is, you know, cause I also host Life Lessons, the Gintama manga cast, where I go through the Gintama manga, you know, from the beginning and, you know, from what I've read of the manga, I haven't read all of it, but from what I've read of it. I love the Gintama anime so much because I feel like it really, um it really, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It really kind of utilizes its source material very well. Whereas Gintama the manga as a comic, I don't feel like it really, I don't feel like it u- utilizes its medium as much as its anime counterpart does. So that's why I prefer the anime overall, Uh which is why, you know, as, as a comic, I definitely prefer one piece because, just just because of how much work goes into the world building, the characters, and just how, like Sam said, thorough the art is. And like, there's just the, like, I feel like Oda, uh, compared to Sirachi in particular, um, really takes advantage of his medium uh, so much more, in my opinion. And, you know, in terms of just other comic creators, you know, people who create manga or whatnot, I really feel like there are so many artists that, you know, as much as I love Sorachi as as a creator and as a person, I feel like there are people especially in jump that I feel like I would consider better artists uh personally. Like, you know, I would I would put you know, just to name a few, like I would put people like Yusuke Murata and Kintaro Miura above Sorachi in terms of like how amazingly thorough an artist they can be. Mm. So, yeah, like One Piece is definitely, this, despite, you know, because I guess uh, I I have such a weird like relationship with One Piece nowadays where it's like, you know, like I said, back when I was in high school, I feel like that's when I had the most passion for it. That's when I felt the most passion for it. And, you know, I was like many who, you know, at the time thought, you know, Otis is so great. Like, he can't do anything wrong. One Piece is totally perfect where... You know, as much as I love One Piece, I don't necessarily think that way about the series now. And I feel like it was around the time skip where the more I read it and the more I discussed it with other people that I thought, yeah, there are some parts of One Piece that, while I understand, um, like like stuff like, you know, uh, female representation and whatnot, I just feel like, uh, I feel like there are certain things about One Piece I didn't notice when I was, when I first got into it that now... After a certain point in the series, I start to notice more and more as I grow up. And that things I kind of have more of a problem with now, but you know, I still love the series overall. And obviously, if I didn't love it, I would not be reading it week to week and supporting it. But basically, my point is I'm just, I'm more aware of certain problems that I have with the series overall. But honestly, talk, talking about it now, I feel like, I feel like you guys are kind of reigniting my passion for it a little <laughs> bit. <laughs>
1: That's what I've noticed, too, that when you start talking about, like, One Piece, like, you you start remembering everything that's great about it, and, like, you kind of rekindle your passion. I definitely feel that, like, whenever I get into, like, a serious conversation about the series with someone that, like, you know, it it swirls up a desire, it swirls up memories, and, like, you know, gets me into the fanboy spirit again. But, uh, Sam, I kind of want to hear, like, how have your opinions of One Piece changed over the years?
2: Okay, so before One Piece, I was all about Dragon Ball Z, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like Dragon Ball Z was the center of my universe. Like, that phrase made so much sense to me as a kid. Uh, Like, it just felt like that was, like, so core to who I was. And so when I fell in love with One Piece and I had this revelation, like, oh, no, I think I like One Piece more than Dragon Ball Z. Like, it was, like, (laughs) this real, like, crisis of identity. Uh, But uh, I got over it. Um, The ride I had with One Piece... Uh, like when it when it really like penetrated me like when it really like got down and the the robins i want to live scene was is probably the moment where i was like okay i am i am dedicated to this show for the rest of my goddamn life the the fact that i got a show that was so like emotional and so positive at that age in my life like i was probably like 15 or so when i was first really really getting into it um then followed up with just like the the high of of being a fan of something that was as massive as it was in Japan like all the all the you know the the t- strong world the war the time skip uh repeating all those things again in the anime hearing about all the crazy merchandise that, that was going on in Japan being you know a fan of the one piece podcast like th- that was a very, that was a very unique high where you felt like you were winning by being a one piece fan the ride I had catching up with one piece and the ride just the, the all the nostalgic memories that i I formed watching it, they're really down deep in there in my brain right now um like they're they're just it's just the kind of thing where it's like they're forever a part of me they're for it's forever this thing where like i I just catching up multiple times, like even as a kid, I was telling myself, I don't ever want to take this for granted like I know I will never feel this way about a show again That's an attitude that's that still sticks with me like really strongly today. Uh, if there's one, the the big thing that's changed is sort of um, I don't really appro- approach Oda like he's like this god who can do no wrong now. Mm-hmm. And my main grievance is that like all the the arcs of the new world so far, like they all they're all designed to kind of bleed into each other so much, but it also means that there's been fewer chances for like really dramatic like upsets in like the bigger picture of of One Piece. Like we're still we're still building up to like a Marineford level thing when I think we should have built up to another one uh already by now but that's really about it like like my opinions on one piece haven't changed a whole lot
1: i'm in i'm in a very similar position to you sam in that dragon ball was also the center of my world for a long time and uh you know I, i still think even though there are other series i would prefer over it or i say are my favorites over it uh you know that it's still like holds like a special place and One Piece is also kind of like that there was a time in my life that One Piece was my absolute most favorite thing ever and I was like incredibly obsessed with it and my life was One Piece One Piece was also the center of my world for a long time Same. and it's not quite like that anymore I don't feel as strong as I do about One Piece I don't think Oda is as like an untouchable perfect storyteller as I used to But all the same, I think One Piece as a series is an incredible feat of imagination and creativity and this just incredible epic that I just really admire and respect. And I get frustrated with the series sometimes. I got frustrated uh, during Fishman Island. I actually stop reading for the like you know for the first i stopped reading for a few weeks and, i
2: loved fishman <laughs> island yeah i
1: i just stopped reading for a few months during fishman island because i don't know i just lost interest during that time and but i, I, I got must, back I must into be a, it and,
0: sorry i was going to. i must be a trooper then cuz i i read that entire thing week to week without stopping even though I didn't feel as strongly about that arc as I did other arcs. That was definitely a low point for the series in me. Like Reading it week to week, I didn't think was fun, but I do mm-hmm. wonder but I, personally, I haven't revisited that arc since I read it week to week so I, I really do wonder how I would feel if I read it all in a marathon, like, at this point in time.
1: I have revisited it and I my opinion of it is a little better than it used to be. Uh, but I, I do think it's the weakest art in the series, but it's not like a bad art necessarily it just has some
2: uh some problems it i think it's like genuinely one of the most interesting ones like the way that it approaches it's like that's that's one piece trying to to touch more mature material it's telling like a racism story but like a kind of a weirdly unique one that isn't one that i've seen before um i think that i think it's big like uh it's it's big kind of emotional climaxes are really good where like uh Fukuboshi is like shouting like ah oh, just destroy it set it all back to zero yada yada I thought that was really strong
1: mm-hmm. I definitely think that the themes and ideas explored in that arc were very interesting I just I guess in terms of the dramatic stakes I just wasn't as invested in uh I guess the conflict you know I I just didn't think Cody Jones and uh But I think that's okay, okay because Deke.
2: it's 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 a you know it's it's a break between because this is this is the way that One Piece operates. Um, this is this is what this is why I always thought was so like brilliant about like the the first half of One Piece is that you would have like this massive franchise-changing arc. Like everything you thought you knew about what was possible in One Piece changes at like Arlong at Alabasta at Annie's Lobby at Marine right? And then in between those, there are like still epic but like more self-contained stories that sort of pace the whole franchise out in general. Like they're kind of these. Like, they're allowed to be epic, but they because they're not affecting the world building as much, they kind of feel like these kind of breathing breaks. And that's kind of what Fishman Island is after Marineford, I think.
1: I would agree with that. And, you know, I don't think it was necessarily a wrong thing to do, you know, to just have like a villainous team that wasn't like that big a threat to the straw hats you know to show off like how much they how stronger that much stronger they have gotten and stuff but uh it's just i don't again i don't think it's a bad arc anymore i just don't I wasn't i don't feel as engaged with it for just a couple small reasons here and there but i do think that it serves a great point it it, it serves a its purpose in the story very well
0: you know what I think it is. I think part of the reason why so many people were probably disappointed with Fishman Island probably also has to do with the fact that the story had been kind of, sort of, in a sense, kind of hyping up this this island for
3: actually That's a pretty true, long true, time. Yeah.
0: Like you know, the, the characters, yeah, the, the characters had been mentioning you know this point in the story, this this island in particular, since I want to say since post Anya's lobby. If I remember correctly. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it probably has to do with that, where it's like, you know, probably a lot of people were looking forward to, you know, finally getting to Fishman Island and like what kind of story arc we, we would get out of that. And I can't help but think that people probably hyped themselves maybe a bit too much, possibly because of that, because of how long we had been waiting to get to that point in the story. So maybe people's expectations were just probably a bit higher than they should have been, possibly.
1: Yeah I definitely agree like it, there was just so much build up to Fishman Island that people are expecting something grand, of grander scale than what we got and it didn't also help that it happened after the time skip and people were looking forward to seeing like uh, you know the Straw Hat crew back in action and uh, you know they, they got like great chances to show off during that arc. But like they didn't they also weren't like the focus necessarily like uh, it, it took a backseat to, you know, the pol- like kind of politics going on in Fishman Island. And then, you know, Luffy was still more center stage among the rest of the crew.
0: I feel like if, if you look at Fishman Island as more of a transitionary arc into the new world, I feel like I I feel like I'm not as critical of it if I look at it from that sense, possibly.
2: Yeah, and I'll be super interested in how people feel about it after after Whole Cake Island, after Jinbei joins, after the Reverie, after Fishman Island actually gets destroyed, whenever that is. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. So, but just to rear back, I mean, Fishman Island actually wasn't like kind of like broke the sh- chains of like me thinking One Piece was untouchable. Actually, it was actually during Dress Rosa where I was really getting a little. You know, weary of like everything that was going on, just because the arc was going on so long. There were moments in the in the arc that I wasn't agreeing with. I didn't like how you know uh, half the Straw Hats were like jettisoned halfway into the arc. I wasn't particularly a fan of like how Usopp was handled. Uh, there were a lot of moments during that arc that like really kind of weight tore down on me, even though I really wanted to love that arc because I was super excited for Doflamingo. I uh, I I actually like Law. Uh, I thought he I could too. be interesting. I still I still like him, I, but he's not. I don't. You know, his flashback was more about Corazon than him. You know, so it's not like it. It didn't really make a good case if you uh, if you didn't like Law to like him better.
0: I feel like he's a more interesting character to give, than people give him credit for. But can I?
3: I do. Can I can I, I? can I just
0: say, Sid? When yeah. when pe- this is not an exaggeration, when people just mention the word Dressrosa my body just like feels fatigued just <laughs> thinking about it like i don't know if you heard but as soon as you mentioned dress rosa i'm just like oh okay suddenly i feel so tired uh, just thinking about it um yeah that was uh, if anything i felt like the dress rosa was probably the arc i l- liked reading weekly the least
1: yeah it's uh basically a hundred chapters, it's like a ninth of the series uh It's like ten, eleven volumes, I think. Yeah, so you know, it is like an insanely huge portion of the story, and it is really important. A lot of important things happened during that art. But just reading it like over the course of two years, there was a lot of you know, th- times when like you were well, just it was longer than waiting that with, for uh, all the breaks
2: it took. That's true. Yeah, it was yeah. more like two
1: and a half, even close to three years. And uh it was it was a long story, but you know, so that was, like, during that stretch of time, I was also, like, just expanding my, uh, you know, knowledge of other series. I was getting into anime and manga again, kind of in a renaissance in a big way. So I was exposing myself to more stuff, and, you know, I just... One Piece just wasn't, like, you know, holding up to, like, what uh, all the other things I was getting into at the time. So I was just falling out of it a little bit. And so uh now I've kind of just been rejuvenated as a fan thanks to the current stuff on whole cake island oh my god and thanks to revisiting like the series in piecemeal form time to time seeing one piece film gold earlier this year like there have been many many things that just keep bringing me back to one piece and remembering just how great it is and how much it means to me and why i i used to love it as much as i do did and why i still love it now and so while i'm not sure where one piece is in terms of being one of my favorite series i feel i need to reread it to like determine like like how if it would like i would still consider it one of my all time favorite series it is still one of my most the most important series to me in terms of like how I've developed in terms of what I think of is great storytelling in terms of what I aspire to in terms of artwork and just in terms of like what I think, you know, is a great manga just in general. So one piece really does mean a whole lot to me. uh And it has for the last 12 years. It's, a, it was a huge formative. It's been a huge formative, part of my life and uh i have so many memories about it that i just hold on to so one piece isn't the untouchable thing that it used to be for me but it's still an extremely important uh, emotional thing for
0: me the one piece definitely has its merits that i will always continue to defend from you know people who are like oh it's, it's not that good like why well, don't want people like this
1: yeah, and you know, I'm exposed to a crowd like that pretty often. There's uh there's this guy I know who is, who like, thinks One Piece is a failure in North America because it keeps not doing well on TV and because it's not necessarily a mega hit in uh, sales for, you know, which isn't really that true. It is one of uh, Wiz's best selling manga, but. There's more
0: going on with that than just oh it, it doesn't do well on TV, you know. But
1: you know, I, I've, I've there are some people I've been around who are, who really do not like One Piece and they revel in whatever failure they see it having or whatever. But like you know, I just look back at at, at One Piece and I think about everything that's great about it and it's like I don't care like what you know the naysayers think or like what are i don't care that one piece will never be as popular as something like dragon ball or naruto in the west necessarily like the one piece fandom is like thriving it is inc- stronger than it's ever been and one piece as a series is you know this is a great time to be a fan there's just so much going on for one piece the story is in a great place like One Piece is a series that just keeps rewarding you, you know, and it has been for the last like 12 years, I've been a fan of it. And I think that however long it goes on, it'll just continue to be enjoyable. And then this fandom will continue to be like extremely strong and passionate and close. And it's just has so much life left in it. And, you know, I'm just, I just love reading it and, you know, discussing it and being a part of it.
0: Yeah, I I definitely want to go on record and say that uh, Whole Cake Island has probably been uh, the most engaged I've felt with One Piece since the start of the time skip. Honestly,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Punk Hazard, I I actually enjoyed. Yeah, re- I, like Punk I, I enjoyed reading right. week to week, but mm-hmm. it, to me personally, this arc has been so much better, so much more interesting, and how like all, all the double crossing going on and like. I, I kind of agree with um with Steven, you know, the, the translator for uh for One Piece in the Viz Jump that uh that it, like Whole Cake Island is very like breaking bad and how it's all like you know, <laughs> put together and planned and like it's just it's 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 setting up so many like um it's it there's so many like build ups uh to look forward to see like the payoffs too and it's just yeah I've actually enjoyed reading this art week to week,
1: yeah so I mean one piece means a lot to all three of us, and uh it's something that broke we'll carry with us for the rest of our lives i'm gonna I'm gonna probably cry when it ends, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be like, you know, when Naruto ended, and I wasn't even that big a fan of Naruto for, you know, so long. And I I actually was excited that, oh, my God, finally, this shit is ending. But like, (laughs) when when it did end, you know, I, I stepped back and I realized, you know, Naruto that had been a part of my life for 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. It's, and it's gone now. It's, I mean, it, it didn't really go away, but at it, it <laughs> the time, you know, it was like, wow, this series, you know, as, as much as I stopped caring about it for a long time, you know, it really did mean a lot to me at one point. I had so many memories of, of it and it was important to me. And, one Piece, you know, I have even stronger feelings, and I'm still into One Piece. And yeah, when One Piece does end, I am going to just—it's just, just going to be like one—one of, one of those moments where it's like, wow, like this—this this was a part of me for so long. And uh, I mean, I don't think One Piece will ever really go away, even if the, like the main manga ends. You know, like kind of like Dragon Ball and Naruto, it's—it's it's still gonna like. Continue on in some form, but it's, yeah, L-
0: L- Luffy's going to Luffy's going Luffy's gonna to have a son named Boofy, and <laughs> and, it's gonna, and there's going to be a new uh, new spinoff called Two Piece, uh, the, the the reckoning, and it'll go on for it'll uh, be a monthly series Jump, and it'll go on for like another five years or something.
2: Let's not forget the American TV show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but
1: yeah, so like One Piece. It's a, it is a part of me, and I think for a lot of people, it's a part of them. It's a part of, like, just their daily lives at this point, and it's like, you know, when it's kind of like, I feel like for a lot of people, when The Simpsons ends, they're going to be like, wow, I, I can't believe it. Uh, I never thought this would end. Like, I think, you know, a lot of us will have that same reaction when One Piece ends.
0: It's, it's gonna, It's going to be weird to have it gone.
1: Yeah, it'll be weird to live in a post-One Piece world.
0: Hell, I I I feel like um, I feel like you and me, Sid, in particular, we, we felt that way about um, kind of Kochikame when that ended, and we barely we never re- read
1: Kochikame, <laughs> but like you, you just knew like its legacy, and you knew like how important it was, and when you when and you knew that Kochikame leaving that is a huge deal. That and think of thinking about like One Piece, like One Piece might not run as long as Kochikame, uh, who knows, but impact that one piece has had on the world of manga the the impact it's had internationally it's just so much more staggering and that will have incredibly like lasting ramifications and like oh yeah it's just it, it, you it, you don't know how how to think about that think about like living without one piece being around but uh again it will always be around but you know just me manga yeah. But I guess, like, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what One Piece means to us. And, you know, we've all been in it for just so long, like over a decade. But, you know, even though One Piece is going on 20 years, there still might be people out there who aren't into it yet. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, ask your opinions, like how you would recommend people to get into One Piece.
0: Oh, yeah, this is kind of hard because, like, I think the biggest problem with getting new people into one piece is that the longer it goes on, the more it is to consume, which depending on what kind of person you are will either be a good thing or a bad thing. Because, you know, I I constantly talk about this kind of thing, too, where it's like, you know, I, I get on people who are like, you know, when they when they say something like, oh, I don't want to get into such and such because it's it's so long. I just don't have the time. And it's like, well. You know, like if you don't think you'll have an interest in it, like that's one thing, but if it's like you know, if you're not gonna get into something because it's like long, like you know, something as long as one piece or I I kind of understand, but it's like, you know, you don't have to like binge watch it or binge read it. You can watch like a bit at a time. Like you're you're not <laughs> exactly expected to like watch all of it in one sitting. Like I, I that's that's the impression I get off I get from people, but
2: you know, that that's just me personally. I think binge watching is what a lot of people want. Like like when I like every week I like to like kinda browse the uh the country country roll comments on the newest episode. And a lot of the time you always like every week you see someone who's just caught up after watching it for like a couple of months. Like people like having something that that they can just watch in the background for months. Yeah. And then they're and then they're still sad when it's over when <laughs> they catch up. <laughs>
0: yeah that 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 just goes back to what I'm saying because, you know i i know I know people who you know don't like to binge watch things because they feel like you know if they watch too much of something at a time like every episode start kind of starts to like blur together and they have trouble like remembering what exactly happened and what episode or whatnot and you know I'm personally I'm the kind of guy who just doesn't have the attention span to binge watch things like i if I really like something. Nowadays, I'll probably watch like three or four episodes, and then I'll feel like moving on to something. else. like, it's very rare that I binge watch anything. Like, I think the biggest thing I binge watch, you know, a couple years ago was Gintama. Like, you know, I, you know, I got into that series so much at one point that I ended up watching fifteen episodes in a row and didn't think anything of it because I just loved it so much. You know, stuff like that and Bojack Horseman are really been the only things I've been watched recently. And again, like, just me, me speaking personally, I'm not a huge binge watcher, so I'm. Uh, so yeah, I I know if I know people who just don't have the attention span for it, and I think that's okay. And I I feel like because binge watching is such a normal thing for a lot of people, that I feel like people have this weird idea that like they they, they feel the need to binge watch something. So and if they don't have the the attention span for it, they just won't bother getting into something. At least those are, those are just my experiences personally.
1: Yeah, I think people have this misconception uh with getting into a long running series like one piece that you know if they binge it that they need to do it like all at once or they like they need to like get through all of the series as quickly as possible but they don't need to do that you can take your time getting into one piece exactly it'll be there but it'll be there you know it's not going anywhere you can just take your time and catch up at your own pace and that's to- that's perfectly fine uh we lord GTZ, my brother, you know, he got into Detective Cone and he caught up with that series uh, just over the course of, you know, two years. Uh, You know, you can take as long as you need to to catch up with something. You know, you don't have to, like, push yourself to get into it as fast as possible. I know that the reason people wanted to get into it as fast as possible is because they just want to be a part of the conversation. But I think just the experience of going through the series, and taking your time and enjoying it is just far more important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, so sometimes I don't understand the need to... Well, I, I guess that's not true. Sometimes I sometimes I do understand the field, the need to be current, and then other times I don't. Because personally, I'm just at that point where I'm like, I'm just gonna get to things at my own pace, and you know, I'm fine with like, especially with Detective Conan, I'm fine with, uh, you know, just kind of going at my own pace, and being caught up with it whenever I get
1: caught up on it. Now, I kind of wanted to hear your guys' opinion. Would you recommend the manga over the anime? Which would be the method that you would recommend people try more to get into One Piece? I want to hear
0: from Sam first, because I know, Sam, from listening to the One Piece podcast, you you had the anime recaps nowadays, and I know you... (laughs) I I feel like out of most of the crew on the show, you are probably the most positive person uh right you have the most positive opinions about the anime so i want to hear what you have to say
2: my general suggestion is that people start with the anime watch it as long as they're still having fun and then when they just like really have that need to get caught up jump to the manga
0: i totally agree with that like Mm -hmm. personally i would say you know if you wanted to start with the anime i want to say in my personal opinion, I feel like where the anime starts to kind of dip in quality and kind of fluctuates in quality to me is around. Um, I would say probably around
2: Impel Down. Well, Impel Down was just like a real like that. They they were <laughs> they were stretched real thin there. Yeah, um, like like Impel Down, I think was around the
0: first was like the first time I had noticed like, huh, this is taking a lot longer than I think
3: it should, right? <laughs>
0: And I mean, like, there's still stretches of episodes that I know people aren't a fan of. Like, I know there are episodes of NES Lobby that people aren't a fan of. And I know people are kind of of the opinion, at least in my experience, that that arc kind of drags itself, too. But I don't know. Well, this is,
2: this is part of my... So, the One Piece anime goes through cycles. Like, it'll have a phase where it's just, like, really just exhausted and it just, like, clearly needs a break. But they don't have a break. Yeah. But then it picks back up and then it's really good for a while. I, and I think back to, like, Ennis Lobby and, I, and, like, how slow it gets there and yet how much that did not stop me from enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll hear from people who who have not read the manga and still, like, from episode one catch up all the way up to the current stuff. And there are moments in the current stuff where I'm like, man, I kind of wish I could, like, vicariously have that experience where... Uh, which is part of the reason why I'm still so nice on the anime and why I do the anime recap is because I want that vicarious experience of like, what does a person who's still enjoying it going through these parts of of the series, what kind of experience are they having?
1: Mm -hmm. I definitely think that you know, if people want to try the anime, they should go with it, and they should watch it as long as you know they have patience for the pacing. I have a lot of fondness for like the first uh, two hundred and six episodes, and I can still like go back to those and like rewatch them, and like not be bothered by how they're paced. But yeah, uh, there are stuff after like the post HD uh, widescreen stuff. Oh, starting with Davy back fight, I get I you know, like Sam says, there are cycles of when it's like really good and like uh, when it's not so great in terms of pacing and the animation and stuff, but uh, there have been like great moments just recently in the anime that like, you know, great episodes still to this day, so you know, the anime isn't like it hasn't become terrible or anything. Uh, you can still have some fun with it, but again, it goes through cycles. And then, if you just want or care about like getting caught up in the story and experiencing it as fast as possible, then uh, yeah, the manga is probably your best avenue because you know that is you can control the pace that you read it even much better that way because uh, you read at your own pace and you're not beholden to uh, sitting through you know twenty four minute episodes.
2: There is that concern though then like if you're the kind of person who likes to stick to the the legal avenues you can watch the anime for very cheap and you can read the manga for quite a bit of money uh ends up being the that problem
1: That's true. I mean uh, it's it really going to all depend on how robust your local library system is. Uh, I know I'm much uh much in a better place in terms of that than uh, some Colton is. Uh,
0: yeah, my library selection is shit frankly, so i mean out outside of having all the Toriko for some reason, uh, so if I ever wanna to reread Torico, there's that, but yeah, Sid definitely has it better than I do on that front yeah. I'm a big
2: fan of VISA's like big twenty four volume boxes, which yes, I think they yes. sell like on average for like hundred bucks a box now.
1: they're a great deal, and I would mm-hmm. definitely recommend people you know uh, seek those out if they wanna like get it, read a large chunk of one piece and get it for a really good price. And those uh, box sets are like organized, you know, to contain like complete arcs. So like the first set will go up, get you through the entire like Baroque Works saga, and then the second you'll get through like uh, all of all everything up to Any's Lobby, and then the third box set is through
2: Punk Hazard. The second box has all of Skypia and the Water Seven saga, which yeah. is my favorite stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: You know, you get a lot of story in each of those box sets for a good price. So, so if you're you need you're looking to buy one piece in order to read it, then that's those are great deals. And then, of course, you know, they uh, they like a you know Casey was kind of talking about with MHA on Twitter recently. Like, there is a bit of like a gap in terms of like volume releases of Shonen Jump stuff and uh, the, what's happening in you know current issues of Jump. So, that is a concern sometimes, but you can still get caught up, you know, mostly pretty easily without too much, like, of a gap between, like, where the latest volume Wizz is put out is to what the latest chapter is in Shonen Jump. Just, like, 50 chapters or so behind. Uh, but, yeah... You know there are many ways to try and get into One Piece, and there's like no one correct way. I mean, as we all went uh, described our story, we all had like our different like uh, ways of kind of getting into One Piece, and there are plenty of you know you know ways to consume the series. So you know uh, just do whatever method that you know suits you best.
0: I mean, if if I if I had to be the purist here, because I I can't help it, I am. <laughs> I, I would, I would personally just recommend the manga. But like you know, I I do agree with Sid that it really all depends on you and probably your financial situation and what you know what kind of pace you want to go with in terms of consuming the story. What there are a lot of factors
1: involved. So right, but I don't want to like g- dismiss people from watching the anime because you know as I was discussing before. But like the Arlong Park stuff, you know, the anime does add things to the material that are really cool and that are like, you know, really iconic, especially the early stuff for me. There's a lot of things that the anime does with music, with the, with voice acting and like how they pace and frame certain scenes to just make the material come to life in even, in even grander fashion. So yeah. I do think the anime is worth watching and it. it is like a, perfectly justifiable way to consume this series even if like the manga in terms of consistency is more of a higher quality
0: yeah and you know if, if you if you really feel like you know like me when uh you know i think i think i stopped watching the anime probably around the be I want to say the beginning of punk hazard like there was just a time where like i stopped watching the anime for like a month or two uh just because i didn't get a chance to like watch it weekly I had, I had a couple of episodes to keep up with, and like, you know, I kept as I kept watching, I was like, yeah, like I, I think I just finally hit my breaking point where I'm just like, you know what, I'm kind of tired of this pace. Like, I'm just gonna stick to the manga, and you know, and I think it's, I think it's totally fine to feel that way too, because, um, you know, I don't want to necessarily just shit all over the anime because it, it does have its good points, and I don't want to devalue those, but, you know, just it don't feel bad if you if you feel like you're just not into the anime anymore, but you still want to experience the story, don't feel bad about making the transition.
1: Yeah. I mean, nowadays I don't keep up with the anime every week, but I read Sam's reviews and he, he he said when he says some really cool things about like what happened in the episode, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch this episode. So I'm really grateful for your reviews for that, Sam. Oh,
0: and even me in particular, like I, sometimes when uh when i hear buzz about an episode like you know from sam and everybody else over at the one Piece podcast i you know they talk about it enough i'm like okay fine i'll check out the episode see see what's up see what they're talking about and yeah there there have been a few episodes here and there that i've I've caught that i'm like yeah this is actually pretty good like you know the, like the episode with uh with big mom's like musical entrance was v- actually pretty good and um I think uh, the episode with uh, every like the other half of the crew in ZO, or you know w- at, during the point where we don't know that you know that they're on ZO in particular, and you know the introduction to Kaido, like stuff like that. I think uh, from what I've been seeing, has been handled pretty well uh, as far as the anime goes, and I really enjoyed those episodes.
1: So yeah, One Piece is uh, still pretty great. And so to kind of wrap up our like discussion before we head into Q and A's here, I just want to hear. Everyone's thoughts on the state of One Piece in as it is in North America. Do you think that we're in a great place right now? Do you think we're in a renaissance of One Piece? Just like, how do you feel like as a One Piece fan today?
2: I feel pretty good. Uh, like people are are really bummed about the whole tsunami thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I guess I just don't care that much. Um, oh no,
0: yeah, I, I feel the I feel the same way because, like you know. I was really excited to hear that uh One Piece had finally come back to Toonami and that was really cool at the time but you know it, this it's also coupled with the fact that I just kind of fell out of Toonami after a while Um
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know I, I, either because of the general fandom or because I you know like a lot of the stuff they air on Toonami I could just watch elsewhere like I don't like I don't need Toonami. Toonami is a thing I'm I'm personally okay with just kind of leaving in my past and in my childhood something I, I grew up with something that I have nostalgia for, but you know, I don't, I don't need it anymore.
1: I'm still very much current with the Tanami fandom and I, you know, I'm still pretty actively engaged with what, what goes on with Tanami. But what Tanami represents and what, and like its purpose is just so much different now because Tanami, like a show being on there, it isn't like this big, like, deal of exposure it isn't like necessarily right. going to get uh, a show in more eyes and more and like introduce them into this thing than one piece just being like on uh, Crunchyroll or just being available like on Hulu or like wh- whatever streaming site is because people use those more
2: it's always at the top at Crunchyroll um, yeah. and I think like a show being popular because of the internet I think that's okay
1: I that's a good thing I mean, the appeal of Toonami as it is nowadays is just a community of fans around Toonami. It's just the, it's just the experience of like, you know, gathering around and talking about the shows on social media as they air every Saturday night as the block goes through. And that's a lot of fun, but it's not like, anime being on TV is not a make or break point for its success anymore. Especially in the case of One Piece.
2: Especially not one episode a week at, in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, at 2 a.m. Tsunami doesn't
0: really have that kind of like to me anyway it doesn't have that kind of it like that power of exposure that it had back in the day.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I was extremely excited when Tanami came back me in too. 2013. I remember when I heard the news, I literally rolled on the floor like giddy. Like I literally <laughs> was rolling on the floor. I was that excited. That was like the greatest thing that had happened to me in a while. You know, and I was super excited about it the first couple of weeks. I, and I was like watching it every night and stuff. But, you know, until like life gone the way and I just couldn't stay up that late on Saturday nights anymore. I had to do, you know work on Saturday nights instead of watching TV. But, uh, you know, again, it's like anime being on TV is cool. Uh, one piece being on TV, you know, the anime would have been nice, but, uh, you know, it doesn't need it anymore. and it, no, I think yeah. the series is in a great place. I think, you know, it is one of the most popular anime in uh, North America. You know, you might not see as many, you know, people outside the anime fandom know about it as they would Dragon Ball Z or Attack on Titan. But among, like, anime in general, it is up there. It is, like, big. You'll go to conventions. It's, like, still incredibly well cosplayed. It's not this, like, unknown thing as much anymore.
2: Not mm. at
0: all. People are at least aware of it, which I think is good.
2: It's night and day compared to where it was. You know, every year before it, <laughs> yep. every year before now, it's it's significantly its exposure has been significantly less. It's like it's the most popular it's ever been. I think, like without a doubt.
1: Yeah, oh, I think yeah. a great mark of that is One Piece film gold. You know, that theatrical release. You know, I went to screenings in New York City. I went to two of them, and both times, like it was a pretty packed theater. You know, like it was, uh, it was popular. It's a popular series. And it's not, it's not like those theaters are as packed as like when I went to see uh, the Sailor Moon or Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, but it was still like sizable. So, you know, One Piece is like, it's it, it draws a crowd and, and people are into it. And the fandom is in a really strong place. And I think that it's only going to grow as the years go by. Uh, my my only gripe is... uh.
0: You know, I hope that at some point people are more aware of where they can read the manga legally. But yeah. yeah, that that's that's the one thing I think that that I think needs to be fixed at some point that I hope we can improve upon.
1: Yeah, the One Piece podcast did a great article about uh supporting the official release that I'll also link in the uh episode description here. But yeah, definitely go and subscribe to Shonen Jump to support the One Piece manga because uh Steven Paul is great Quality translations and uh just it's just the best way to read one piece you won't get uh you won't get mistakes like in uh the scans recently i I heard like uh they translated sh- um uh, big mom's name is charlotte Rinrin because of a like typo or whatever so you know uh you do not get stuff like that.
0: And you won't get references that feel out of place in the world of One Piece, like to Martha Stewart and to yeah. Netflix and Chill. And <laughs>
2: yeah. wait, did they say Netflix and Chill? Oh, once? No,
0: I, what? I, it wasn't. It wasn't that exact thing. I remember it was during Zoe, where like a henchman or something was like it made a reference to that meme or whatever, and it was like, okay, that's that's dumb. You shouldn't have done that. Like that doesn't make sense in this world. It feels out of place. Like that—that's something the four kids dub would do, maybe. But you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: that's that's too that's too sexual in nature for four kids.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe, I don't
2: know. But yeah, I, they
1: probably don't actually under. They probably wouldn't actually understand the 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 connotations. I've probably heard, not. I, I remember they made some uh, jokes in the in that dub that uh that made me turn my head.
2: Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as One Piece's popularity goes, we could be uh. We could be just before another big boom with this TV show.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. Yep, it's never been a more exciting time to be a One Piece fan, I feel.
2: I don't know, 2010 was pretty incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or 2007, (laughs) but uh, yeah,
2: that's that's
1: 2008. You know, yeah, 2010, that probably was the peak. I mean, uh, we have sales data to reflect that in Japan, so. uh, Yep. But yeah. Uh, so I guess that does it for just our main one piece discussion and now we'll go into some questions that uh my good friend Dr. Insatsukan asked us over on Animation Revelation. The first one of these being roughly how much longer do you think the series will run before Oda finally concludes it? Will it be another sticking... 20 years? <laughs> yeah, he he asks, uh, will it be sticking around for a 30th anniversary or do you believe it'll wrap up before that? Uh you know, I can't really say myself because I think that it's hard to predict where we are in terms of the game game because we're building up to something big but we still have to you know see how long the uh wanna arc will go and there you know there's still so much more that could happen. So I mean, you know, we could it it could be like as short as 5 years, it could be as long as 20 years like you know Colton just joked about but uh, <laughs> who knows?
2: I think 120 volumes is what we're we're aiming for. That's
1: right. Uh I I, be- I believe like there yeah, there was a uh, event an editor who recently came out and said that uh, you know Odo was about sixty percent of the way through it, so you know probably twenty years or less. How long
2: was Kochikame?
1: Forty years.
2: But like, how many volumes? Oh, like that was about two hundred.
1: Right? That was actually exactly two hundred.
2: Yeah, two hundred. What? <laughs> I was gonna say.
0: I don't know. Like, as as much as I joke, like I think it's totally possible that One Piece will run for thirty years and we'll actually see a thirtieth anniversary but i also i also think there is a chance it could end before that uh but i mean you never know and you know sid brings up the, all, all the percentages that uh you know we get from either oda or the editor sometimes those those i try not to take at face value cuz those can always change and they have so mm-hmm. like i'm pretty sure oda said at one point that alabasta was the halfway point and obviously that's not true anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: So nothing is set in stone. So, really, who knows? Uh, just enjoy the ride. Pretty much. just Let's let's just enjoy it while it's here. Mm-hmm. So his next question is, With the upcoming Wano Kuni arc potentially being the biggest event in the series since the Summit War at Marineford, is anyone expecting any major character deaths, sans flashbacks, of course, to go down, similar with what happened with Ace and Whitebeard? I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I guess... That's a good question. During Wano Kuni, I'm not really sure if who who might die, if anyone. I feel like Shanks might die at some point in a fight with, you know, either Kaido or Blackbeard. But uh, outside of Shanks, I don't know what other character in One Piece I would expect to die, unless Oda throws ch- does a curveball. Well, I
0: guess just on the topic of character death, and I know Sam and I have talked about this before, and I I know he disagrees with me, but I. <laughs> I still, I still think it would make sense if at some point, possibly Usopp had a death at one point, because, uh. <laughs> let, let me let, hear hear me out, because I think um,
2: you can't hear it, but I'm shaking my head.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> he, here's the thing, like it just it makes sense to me that like because what's what's Usopp's whole thing? He wants to be the bravest warrior in the sea or whatnot, and I feel like I think it would make sense if. You know, like, like imagine if Usopp did die, and like, you know, his, and like, you know, people recounted the the legendary tales of Captain Usopp and his and his army of eighty thousand men or whatever the number was, and like, I re- I just really like the idea of you know, I don't want Usopp to die, but like, if that were to happen, I would just hope that you know his legacy lives on through his tall tales like I just I don't know something about that idea just just really appeals to me like I kind of I like that romanticized aspect about it
1: I don't think he needs to die for a legacy or myths to be spread about around him I mean that's already kind of happening now that happened in Dressrosa it's happening with Buggy right now too so
2: that's true I like the idea that Usopp might be like the narrator or something this whole time
1: (laughs) that would be great so any other characters we might think could die uh, at at some point?
2: It's um, oh, interesting, because I think, like, I kind of think something something that hurts like that needs to happen soon. Because the series kind of feels a little fangless right now. Yeah. Um, But I don't know who it would be. I mean, Kaido wants to die, so who knows? I
0: don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of waiting for Blackbeard to show up at this point, because I feel like that has to happen soon. I feel like that's coming up.
1: That'll be a big deal when he does. And again, like, I feel like Shanks will be, like, a character that dies, because that will really hurt Luffy. What, what if Sabo dies for real this time? <laughs> you know, that's another good candidate. We'll, I guess we'll have to see. Maybe which one of those two, or both of them, uh, get killed. Yeah, like, I, I can't really think of
0: anybody in particular during Wano that I think would be ripe for a character death is the thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe law, I don't know.
1: Uh I mean maybe Kinemon or you know, to to be tragic for Monwanosuke, uh or something like that.
0: Actually actually you know what, that would that would hurt a little bit actually. Yeah.
1: But uh yeah, there's there's a lot of possibilities out there, but nothing quite definite, uh, or at least nothing that I'd expect in Wanokuni for sure. But moving on EK's next question is of all the ongoing recurring characters stories and mysteries that have persisted in One Piece throughout its two decade long run which as of yet unresolved plot tread, do you most want to see unfold
0: Oh I really want to know what the thing was um at the end of Thriller Bark in the in the fog
2: That's the one I want to stay a mystery personally For a while I was sure that would but at this point I feel like that might we 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 probably would see find out what that is uh, I don't need to see what it is, but...
1: For me, it's just, like, the history of the world. Continue to, like, explore that and, like, get closure on that. And, uh, again, I want to see uh, the Straw Hats go to the moon at some point. And uh, <laughs> that'll be fun.
0: I guess, uh other than that, I- I'd eventually love to see Mega Punk, but I'm sure most
3: of the fandom does. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, right now, I want the full, like scientist you know backstory like they all seem to know each other like caesar and judge and vega punk like mm-hmm. there's this whole story we haven't uh been told yeah yet. like yeah. there's this whole
0: there's this whole community that like hasn't really been touched just yet and i find it kind of
1: interesting so there are a lot of mysteries that are you know really interesting to think about and uh it'll be interesting to see like when they get explored and uh resolved though i i'm sure a lot of these will be held off until like the very end very final stretches of the story what was he asking about besides mysteries again oh uh characters and stories as well like you know characters that you know uh have mystery have like things about them that we haven't like oh, gotten okay. fully explored um, I guess in that respect, you know, there's some something about uh, Crocodile and and uh, even Cobb's past that I kind of want to see what, oh, yeah. what the deal was there. Yeah, I
0: really want to know more about that. I I would also throw out, I kind of want to know more about Kuma. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm expecting Kuma to be like uh, Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear. He's <laughs> <laughs> constantly somebody else's double agent. That would be pretty good. That'd be cool.
1: Alright, then uh, Ikeza's question is, what is our favorite straw hat? Uh, For me, it's still Usopp. Like, again, I I really love his character arc. He has my favorite moments in the entire series, like, uh, you know, during Alabasta when, you know, he stands up for Luffy during the fight with uh Miss merry Christmas and Mr. 4 of course Luffy versus Usopp Usopp you know encouraging Luffy to get up and fight during Annie's lobby uh you know there's just so many Usopp moments I love Usopp he's my favorite
0: yeah I I'd, I'd have to agree I think Usopp is still my favorite my pecking order after that um I feel like has probably changed a bit since uh uh, since the last time I really thought about this, because I think Frankie used to be my fav- my like my second favorite straw hat, but now I'm I'm not sure if that's the case anymore. Because I feel like uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I know I know. Like in terms of my least favorite straw hats, um, my bottom three used to be Nami, Sanji, and Chopper. Um, mm. I feel like Sanji with this with this current arc will pr- for me uh, in particular will probably. Uh, like I feel like I like his character so much more than I used to, and I feel like I feel like we're if if not now I feel like we're we're on our way to getting back you know the Sanji we all knew and loved you know that we were introduced to back in Baradier, the cool suave badass that we all came to know and love.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't like Nami? That's not that
0: I don't like Nami. Well, actually, I used to not like Nami for a <laughs> while. Um, <laughs> I don't know for a while she used to just she used to, she used to just get on my nerves and I didn't really think she was funny but like the longer I've been a fan like she has great moments like I think actually one of my favorite Nami moments actually when is actually from Skypiea when um you know she kind of goes along with Enaru and just kind of plays along with him you know so that she doesn't end up getting electrocuted like everyone else and I love the moment where she turns down his offer to go with him to the moon. And, you know, like, Eneru presents her with the idea of having, like, whatever she wants and all the money and treasure she wants. And, you know, I felt like that was the moment that proved to me that, you know, Nami isn't just all about money. That, you know, she you know, she has humanity to her. And that she's not just, like, you know, this one-note character. And I mean, like, you know, the, I, I shouldn't say that because, like, you know, yeah, I feel like you're you supposed know, to kind Arlong of Arlong e- Ar- Ar- Arlong Park was important too, but I felt like I think I didn't like Nami just because like I felt like after Arlong Park, uh, she didn't have much of an opportunity to, uh, she didn't have as many great moments afterwards, which is why I, I felt kind of I either didn't like her or I was just kind of like indifferent to her, and I think it was until it wasn't until Skypea where Skypea was a good reminder for me that that you know Nami isn't just you know she's a better character than I give her credit for. But if I really had to be honest about my opinions with her during like you know this current place we are in the story, I I like that she's been getting more time in Whole Cake Island to an extent. She's ha- she ha- she's had some great moments and she's been she's been she's had a lot of great like smug moments and whatnot. And I just yeah. especially with the latest chapter, and I just I love those parts about her so much. Um, but I I do hope we maybe get to a point just in general with one piece where the women maybe have more of a chance to just do something.
1: Yeah. I think Robin has suffered more than Nami in disregard. Uh, no, yeah, I, to-
0: I totally agree. Um, though I will say that Robin's definitely um, definitely up there for me in terms of favorite Straw Hat as well. She's definitely like in my top five. So I-, I love her character so much.
2: What about you, Sam? My favorite Straw Hat is Brooke. Hmm. Uh, his yeah. flashback is my favorite. His uh, humor is my favorite. Uh, i I think that I think the fact that the straw hats have a skeleton on their crew is still just like the most amazing thing, pretty much yeah,
1: you know, funny enough, Brooke is my least favorite just because he hasn't. Had a How whole lot you. to do since Triller Park <laughs> because, that's, you know, immediately after fair. Triller Park, it's like the crew got separated. And then he really is have...
2: awesome in Whole Cake. Yeah.
1: And Whole Cake, you oh, know, yeah. I've really been liking him a lot. Like, you know, I've always liked Brooke, but it's just that he's le- least favorite just by, you know, uh, circumstance because he just hasn't been given as much as the other characters. But Whole Cake has done a lot for him, which I really appreciate. But, you know, I think all the Straw Hats are great characters, just some have been given, like, more time to shine than others.
0: That's basically where I'm coming from with a lot of my Straw Hat rankings as well, is not that I necessarily hate any of the Straw Hats nowadays, it's just, yeah, some some have just been given more time to shine than others.
1: Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, what is our favorite villain? I have to say Crocodile.
2: Mm. Yeah, I said Crocodile in our villain rankings.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll have to go with the uh, good old Croco Boy too. Uh is just, you know, Crocodile, he was like the, the first re- really big threatening villain. I mean Arlong was, you know, threatening too, but Crocodile was he seemed like he was on a whole nother level. He he was the first warlord the Straw were facing. He had this big organization under his belt. Like he seemed he unbeatable. It took Luffy Street times to finally put him down like uh that was really that was he was like the first tr- really big threat and he's so memorable because of that but you know before I wouldn't have said crocodile because for the longest time I really found Doflamingo interesting but you know i just every moment we had gotten with him like uh just a little bit he just seemed like so mysterious and he seemed like he was like a real puppet master behind the world of one piece so that was like why i was so excited for dress rosa because they were finally going to tackle doflamingo but you know as the more the arc went on the more i just lost interest in doflamingo as a villain and you know i i do still like aspects of this low Flamingo, and I still think that he's very interesting, and I, I'm looking forward to whenever he returns again, because I'm sure, you know, he's not going to be done, done. But, you know, Crocodile just overall in terms of how he's been in the story, how he was in Alabasta, and then what what he did during his return in Impel Down Marine Marineford. Like, Crocodile, I think... And potential for the rest uh, of the
0: story, too.
1: Yes, yes. I think Crocodile is, like, remains like the best villain oda has made
2: and he continues to just get more interesting as the series goes on like his like he he was a great villain in his own arc and then he goes on to have his own character arc that's still unfolding mm-hmm. uh throughout the big picture yeah, yeah it's pretty great Man, i
1: really want to see him show up again soon uh i, I wonder when like i i really do
0: to me it really feels like how i interpret crocodile is that like he's Uh, somewhere along the way in during like impel down and Marineford, and you know even during like uh the after effects of the war and whatnot it really seems like his passion for i guess for lack of a better word piracy has really been like ignited and i i feel like that's really interesting considering like his kind of his whole thing with luffy is that like you know crocodile constantly went on about like how much more experienced he is in luffy and Cro- Crocodile constantly talking about how, like, oh, you don't know what the world's like, kid. Just just, mm-hmm. just just whatever. And so I find that change, that's that's very subtle change in his character, very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I also just want to bring up two points when you were talking about, Sid. I think the difference between, like, I feel like the difference between Arlong and Crocodile is that, like, Arlong was a threat, but compared to Crocodile, like, Arlong had the potential to become this really, like, dictatorial ruler of the East Blue, and that threat was definitely a threat that loomed over um, over him as a villain and over the Ark as uh, as a whole. Like, that's basically what would have happened if Luffy didn't stop him. But whereas with Crocodile, Crocodile, he already has his fingers in into Alabasta. Like, he's already, like, kind of secretly controlling everything, and I feel like that's, in my mind, that's what makes Crocodile more of a threat, is that he's already in control.
1: Mm-hmm. And, like, he, uh, he was presented, like, people trusted Crocodile, like, yeah. to the people of Alabaster, he was, like, a hero. So it was, like, there was, you couldn't, like, directly, like, confront him. You had to, like, take him down behind the scenes. So there was, like, more, like, there was, there was, like, a grander sense of, like, his untouchable, like, status there. And
0: also just to touch on Doflamingo for a little bit. I feel like his build-up was a lot better than what we actually got. I mean, like, I still find him, I still think he's a very interesting character, and I still think there's, I feel like there's probably more we could do with him. So, and I'm not sure if, um, I'm not sure if, you know, if the the One Piece podcast guys have talked about this more. I feel like it's probably been brought up before, but like, Mm -hmm. I feel kind of betrayed when I think about the fact that I feel like Oda kind of missed the opportunity to really... Um, utilize Doflamingo's powers. I don't know, I feel like it would have been really cool if like Doflamingo used his powers to have Luffy fight against his other friends. I kind of wish something like that kind of came out of it, but no, we just kind of got big waves and string tentacles and whatnot. I feel like his... Yeah. Doflamingo did that with Bellamy. He did, but Mm -hmm. I I feel like it would have been interesting to kind of utilize that during Dressrosa and I feel like I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. Well, just just in, just in general, I feel like his powers weren't fully utilized. But that's just me. But he is st- he is still a great character, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I've got a hunch that he might come back for Wano. Maybe I, can see that. I mean,
1: uh, was the? I don't think the ship that he was on though, like was was like a sunken or anything.
2: No, no, no. He's he's still in the Marines' uh, clutches. But I think there's all sorts of ways that. Uh, I don't know. Politics might get in the way, or maybe Kaido does something else, or
0: maybe Blackbeard breaks him out or something, and they team up. Right, right, right. yeah, I don't
2: know.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing where Doflamingo like, will what role he'll play in the rest of the story. But I suppose moving on to the next thing, uh, what is our favorite fight in the series? Oh man,
2: uh, oars. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's
1: a good one.
0: I I remember really loving that fight as I was watching the anime because it's like I really felt like it was. As far as I can remember, really the first time the Straw Hats had to really team up with, yeah. uh, with each other to fight uh, one adversary. So I really like that aspect about the fight. So that's definitely up there for me. But,
3: mm-hmm.
0: oh man, there's so many good fights that... Like, you know, it's it's so easy for me to just... For, for a lot of these other questions to just say, like, you know, uh, whatever comes to the top of my head. Because I, I have easy answers for a lot of these questions, but this is actually kind of tough, because I want to say Luffy versus Usopp is probably my favorite fight, not just in... That's definitely mine. Not not just because, like, you know, that fight just emotionally resonates with me, because it's, like, two characters I've come to know and love, and get to know, where it's like, you know, it's like it's like watching your two best friends fight, Yeah. Like, then not, there's nothing you can do about it. But it's also really neat, because, like, it really shows just how, how intuitive and how inventive Usopp can be with his abilities. When he's pushed to his limit, when he's backed into a corner, and and the fact that even that he held his own against Luffy is kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, you know that you basically just said like what I would say. Like Luffy versus Usopp is my favorite fight because as a huge Usopp fan, like you know that's like his most personal, like emotional, like thing. He's he's going up against Luffy, and we know going into it that there's no way Usopp can beat Luffy, but goddamn if he doesn't give it his a game he puts in so much effort and he tries so hard and it's just so hard to watch too when like luffy just you know has enough of it and just beats him down and it's just it's really really sad so to me like emotionally that is just like the most powerful fight of one piece for me even if it's just even though it's so one-sided
2: my favorite fights are always the, the, like, the really big ones that have, like, lots of twists and turns and lots <laughs> of, uh, false climaxes and, like, you think you've beaten them, but, oh, no, nope, he's getting up again. And yeah, so I like, I like the Oris fight. I like the, the Enaru fight. I like, uh, I even like the Doflamingo fight in theory. I'll have to, you know, I'm still, I'm still coming back around on Dressrosa in general, but, uh, that, that fight does, uh, in theory, scratch a lot of itches for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so moving on to kind of our last set of questions here. What is our favorite story arc and what is our least favorite story arc? Um, I guess I could just get this out of the way because I mentioned
0: it earlier that Drum Island is pretty much my all-time favorite story arc in all of One Piece, no question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mostly because I I emotionally resonate with Chopper's backstory the most. Because I, I think just, I don't know, I know, uh, I know a lot of people really like... Uh, Robin's flashback and Brooks' flashback, which they're both very good. I don't want to devalue the merits, but just in terms of me personally, I really feel I really feel like I emotionally relate to a lot of Chopper's backstory because you know, uh, I you know, cause I I I like I like stories where it's like you know it's about it's about the uh, the outcast or whatnot, and like you get treated for like you know being different or whatnot because you know, just to get kind of a little personal here, you know, like when I was a kid, I was made fun of for my weight. I was a pretty fat kid. And so just that idea of being treated as something less than like a human being, because, you know, because something about you is different and you're kind of different from the rest of the crowd really just emotionally resonates with me just as someone who was bullied in elementary school and whatnot. Um, and even as far as like, um, I just think Hero looks a great character, and I think his uh, his last line before he uh, like his big speech before he dies really. I think really um, what makes One Piece like my all time favorite manga is that like it's it's this moment in particular where Hero looks talks about you know how a man dies and whatnot. It's you know you don't die until you're forgotten. Like that's that's really just not only does it emotionally resonate with me, but it's really just kind of, like, it's really shaped how my philosophy on life and just me as a person, and I can't really say that about too too many other pieces of fiction that I have read. And really even just outside of um, Chopper's backstory, like, I really... He's, he's not necessarily, like, the best villain, but I, I do have a soft spot for Waple because he's just so cartoonishly evil, and he's so fun but at the same time he's so despicably evil and i i love villains like that that just they're either the heroes of their own story or they have just so much fun being evil and they just don't think anything of it um which is why i i love villains like say dio brando in jojo's bizarre adventure like i love villains like that and you know like uh as uh as again uh, as the one piece podcast guys have kind of been you know I really appreciate um, a lot of the out-of-context, like, Drum Island tweets, because, man, do those resonate with a lot of people right now in society. <laughs> um, so, like, just in terms of all of that, I feel like this arc really holds up. It's a great, like, it's a great standalone story, um, even though it's in the middle of, like, the Alabasta saga, if you will. Like, I I watched the retelling of this movie with a friend of mine recently, and, uh, you know, she... She wasn't, like, too super into it. She was tired that day, and she's not really, like... You know, I've I've tried showing her One Piece before, and, you know, she understands, you know, why people like it, but it's not really for her personally, and I understand that. But, you know, I I watched uh, Movie 9 with her just recently, and, you know, from from what she had seen, you know, she had at least seen most of Chopper's flashback, and I was like, hey, you know, uh, like, did you at least like what you see? And she was like, like, I feel like that movie kind of showed her, like, okay, like, this... This series and franchise is capable of so much more than I thought at first. I really wish movie nine was, re- uh, was released like legally at some point. Cause I feel like that would actually be a great entry point for new fans.
2: Mm-hmm. What about you, Sam? My favorite arc is Skype. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've kind of gone into that earlier in this podcast already. It's like the perfect fantasy adventure for me. Uh, it's the arc that I was introduced to one piece through. Uh, I love the I just love the i i love the world of skypea or, or or the you know the islands and the clouds uh I love the god theme stuff even though I don't think it's like particularly deep about that stuff or anything but I think it's a it's a it's a cool spin uh it's it's a cool that we have like a story that's a, you know where the characters just punch a god <laughs> that's funny I'm definitely one of
0: those people that wasn't like a s big fan of Skypea at the time, like I liked it, but i would- you know, I kind of dismissed it as, like, oh, it's, it's a standalone thing. It has, like, nothing to do with the rest of the series. You could skip it, when nowadays, like, it's not really true. Like, it's not really a part of the story you could skip, especially since, like, it really, like, uh, Skypia as an arc, actually, and it's, like, and the lore behind just that arc in particular, like, has an effect on the lore of the rest of the series, which I think is great. hmm Right.
1: I always loved Skypea. I just thought it was a really cool adventure story. And I really liked the, you know, conflict between the Shindorians and the Skypeans And then the, uh, Kagura backstory. It was so good. And Enru was a lot of fun as a villain, uh, especially in the dub with, uh, J. Michael Tatum, you know, he, great performance, uh, just, you know, it was just a, a really fun, cool, like, different kind of adventure story that was really cool to get back to. And it, it was, it just felt different after, you know, uh, Alabaster Baroque worked, which, you know, was, it, it, that's kind of what I like about One Piece's arcs is that, like, they all are, like, different, different, Feeling adventures in terms of like the, the scale and like the a locale of Skypea, it was just such a cool place, especially you know, the like the main island, the God's Island that uh, they were on. So, yeah, I really liked Skypea, but uh, you know, f- you know, I really like Drum Island too. You know, it's hard for me to say like what my favorite arc in the series is these days because you know, it used to just be hands down Marineford because you know, having read that week to week, like. The scale of that was just mind blowing and at the time, like, that was like the most exciting thing going on in manga, like, for me and that was during the time when I was like most engrossed in One Piece and like, the most enthusiastic about it you know think especially compared to like uh where naruto and uh, bleach were at the time where bleach was like you know they were still fighting aizen and uh during deicide which was a thing and uh naruto you know was uh the five kage summit and uh you know that that's where things were getting off the rails for me but um so marine you know for me like that was just that felt like a big deal that was like a, a real like war arc you know you know when you compared it to like what Bleach and Naruto's war arcs were because like you had multiple factions it was crazy it was chaotic there were these insane two-way spreads it was just it was just ins- insane page turner week after week that I would like you know whenever I knew, saw the new chapter come out I would like quickly consume and like be like oh man Holy crap! Because it was just like every week there was just something amazing and like astonishing happening, but I don't know if I would say Marineford is still my favorite arc because you know when I go back and think about like the parts of the series that have stuck with me the strongest, you know those parts. You know I think it has to be like either uh, either Arlong Park or Alabasta because those. I think about to the moments back in those arcs, and I think about, like, how the impact they left on me. And, you know, when I think about, like, Prime One Piece, and, like, what I think about One Piece, you know, I do think about those earlier adventures from the East Blue to Alabasta, and, like, I think about, like, the high moments in those arcs, like, how I mentioned earlier, those moments in Arlong Park, like, you know, uh, Nami's backstory, like, you know, Nami, like, stabbing her tattoo, and then Luffy stopping her, and then the march on Alwyn Park. And then in Alabasta, the moment where Luffy finally defeats Crocodile. Like, uh, the effort everyone go, everyone goes through to get on top of, like, that clock tower to defuse the bomb, and then, like, V, like, Vivi's, like, in despair because, like, there's no way to defuse it. And then Pell takes it, and he, like, flies up making what's, at the time, looks like this big heroic sacrifice. And, uh, he turns out that he's, he's alive later. but that's that's okay. The moment is still amazing, and it's just there's oh, <laughs> just oh, <laughs> there's so many great moments in, in those like early adventures, and in those two arc in, in those two arcs in particular that I just that have all stuck with me, you know, the most over the years, and that what I what I always think back to first when I think about One Piece. So yeah, it's either one of those two, and I might, I might just say Arlong Park for now, just because I reread uh, it before this for this podcast and reread the volumes I had, and it was like, oh god, it's it's so good. I love these uh, earlier adventures.
0: Yeah, I I think the just the entirety of the Alabasta saga, just I think, is probably my favorite portion of One Piece.
1: Yeah, but you know, the fact that we all have kind of different like. uh, different portions of One Piece that we, like, really love kind of shows, like, you know, how the appeal of, like, One Piece is, like, every, like, story arc does have its own thing going on that's just, you know, so unique and fun. So everyone can have their own different arc, but they're all great, you know. And so that's that's really great about One Piece. Oh, and uh, I guess, like, we also have to answer the second half of the, the question, which was, like, what is our least favorite story arcs, I guess?
0: I feel like it has to be, I don't know, because I feel like if you asked me this years ago I probably would have said Fishman Island but now I'm actually wondering I'm actually trying to choose in my head between Fishman Island and Dressrosa I actually don't know wh- I, like I'm basically trying to decide which one I like more than the other and I actually can't decide um what what about you, I
1: do Sam
2: I don't know if I necessarily have one like the ones that my go-tos are usually like Impel Down and uh Little Garden but like I don't dislike them, <laughs> like yeah. There's there's the ones I I like I have the least liking for.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I don't think there's any arc in One Piece that I think is bad or I completely dislike them. I guess earlier I said that uh, Fishman Island, you know, was was I I'm I'm not the biggest fan of it. Like even though I uh, I don't think it's bad, and then the address Rosa did try my patience. But, you know, when I go back and look at them, they still think there were some great moments in those arcs. I would put those two towards the bottom, I suppose, just to have an answer. But, like, a part of me also thinks that, you know, I could just say the Davy back... I like the Davy back fight, but I guess in terms of, like, what it adds to the story, like Fishman and Island and Drissurza add so much more. And Davy back fight is a lot of fun, and I really enjoy it. But I guess, you know, if I had to just choose... Then maybe I would just choose that just because it adds the least to the story. But you know, I don't know. Again, there's just it's not a bad arc, and there, I don't think there are any bad arcs in One Piece. I,
0: I I guess I'm gonna go address Rosa on the notion that at least Fishman Island wasn't as long.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I mean, it lasted a year in the story in terms of serialization. But again, I I would prefer year long arcs than two year long arcs. Honestly, I guess in theory, but yeah. That That's really, that's really my biggest problem with Dressrosa is I think it just, and I know for most people have probably said this already, but like, you know, I just personally feel like Oda might've bit off a bit more than he could chew with that arc. And I feel like, I just feel like that arc might've been, just might've gone too long in general. And at some point I, like most people, I, I got kind of arc fatigue and there was just a point where I'm like, okay, let's, I just want this to be over. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs>
1: uh yeah that does it for our questions thank you dr Ansatsu Ken, for sending those in to us and for uh in the future guys remember to send in your questions to us just on anywhere you can reach us on twitter or animation revelation forums or send us to our email at uh mavericks at gmail.com we love reading your questions and answering them on the show yeah i, I think we're finally done <laughs> yeah uh, as we predicted, uh, we went on for almost about three hours here.
0: <laughs> yep. I can't wait to edit
3: this.
1: Yeah, but at least we stayed focused <laughs> on the topic, unlike yesterday when I, I was recording, uh, the Spider-Man Homecoming episode of, uh, Manga Maverickside Movies, where, uh, me and Jonathan went on, uh, insane rants and off tangent rants about sonic comics and archie comics <laughs> and uh oh man, that uh that that was a weird podcast <laughs>
0: uh, but um yeah i guess uh sam thank you so much for coming on and talking
2: one piece with us yeah thank you thank you for having me
0: yeah and uh i guess uh where, where can the can people find you
2: They can find me on Twitter at Lucky Chainsaw. They can find me on AnimeNewsNetwork.com doing the daily streaming reviews for One Piece, Dragon Ball Super, My Hero Academia. And they can find me doing the anime recaps every week on the One Piece podcast.
0: Yeah, if you don't already listen to the One Piece podcast, I would definitely recommend giving it a listen. I've pretty much been listening ever since, like, probably right after, like, they first started. back. I've been listening since 2009, like, around when when Strong World was relevant at the time. So I've been listening since almost the beginning. And again, like I said, first podcast I ever listened to. And really, really, uh, really the podcast that got me into wanting, wanting to listen to more podcasts and creating my own podcast. So the One Piece podcast is a very special place in my heart in terms of that. So definitely go listen to them if you don't already. I mean, if you're a fan of One Piece and you're not listening, you're really missing out.
1: Definitely. I'm a much more recent fan of the One Piece podcast. I started listening to you guys uh back when you started doing the One Piece Reads True series. But, yeah, you know, for this is, the One Piece podcast is, like, one of my favorite podcasts, and uh if you're a fan of One Piece, like, there is no better place to get passionate One Piece discussion and awesome character voices like Casey's uh, Caesar impression, which is the best, and uh, Funimation should cast him as uh, Caesar in the actual dub.
0: Yeah, Casey's amazing and we love him, so shout out to
3: Casey.
1: Yes. And I always enjoy reading Sam's reviews of One Piece, Dragon Ball Super, and MHA, and uh, I definitely recommend you check those out as well because uh, they're great reviews. But uh, I guess, uh, Sin, where can the people find you? You can find me as at Lom Ramayasha on Twitter, and Lom Ramayasha just anywhere I am, like Animation Revelation and my anime list, and uh, basically. Just anywhere, just search for Lower Miyasha. And uh, if I'm there, I'm there. And then I also do reviews for uh so you can keep an eye out for those as well. And uh, yeah, that's basically where you can find me. All
0: right. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at SniperKing323. That's S N I P R K I N G323. And uh, I guess as for other podcasts, I'm a part of. Uh, I mentioned Life Lessons to Kintama Manga Cast earlier. I'm, you know. Not not just One Piece, but I'm a I'm an even bigger fan of Gintama. So if you wanna if you're a fan of Gintama and you uh want a more retrospective look on the series from the very beginning through the um through the now discontinued Viz Media release, you can follow that. That's at uh Gintalife dot WordPress dot com. Again, that's Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga cast. Uh, or if you're a fan of Detective Conan or Case Closed, whatever you want to call it, uh Viz is still releasing that, thankfully. And, uh, you can find me and my friend, Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast, uh, talking about Detective Conan from the very beginning over at One Podcast Prevails. That's onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. Uh, but as for, uh, Manga Mavericks, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at all comic.com. That's obviously where we put every episode first. You can also follow us on Facebook.com slash all.comic or on Twitter.com slash all underscore. Uh, or if you just want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, you can follow us, like Sid said, over at Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks. Or you can email us anything. Uh, what do you think about One Piece? Uh, what, mon- what other manga are you reading in general? Uh, just anything manga related, podcast related, and we'll answer it on the show at Manga Mavericks at gmail.com. And, uh, Sid, uh, why don't you talk about the YouTube page for a second?
1: Yes, also subscribe uh, to our YouTube page. You can just search for it as Manga Mavericks. That's the channel name. Uh, we remember guys, we need those 100 subscribers to get that custom URL. Let's, uh, let's, let's get to that. We're almost there. And, uh, YouTube has been growing a lot lately. We just got our first video that got over a thousand views, which is a really cool thing for us considering, uh, we have so, we're, uh, such a small channel right now. So, uh, yeah, uh, cool. I'm really excited for the YouTube because I also have uh, other projects specifically for the YouTube in the works. So uh, yeah, definitely check out our channel and I keep posted on uh, the stuff that's going to be coming out there pretty soon.
0: Follow us on YouTube. Um, I don't believe we have 100 subscribers just yet.
1: No, but we're getting getting there. We're close.
0: Yes. So the more people that subscribe to us, the, the faster we can get a custom URL. So for now, you can just search Maga Mavericks on YouTube, and you'll you'll find a couple of vi- a couple of our videos. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you know, whatever we call it. You know, the Apple Podcasts, the, the artist formerly known as iTunes. Uh, <laughs> uh, subscribe, rate, and review us it really helps our podcast visibility on there. So, you know, if you if you, have, you have a little time and you feel the need to do so, uh, please do. We, we we'd really appreciate it. Um, That's going to be about it for this episode of Manga Mavericks. Um, We will see you guys next time for episode 37. Bye, guys. Sayonara!
2: See ya!